everybody. Welcome to PDF podcast number I don't even know anymore. Uh, today we're bringing Jay Dyer on. We're going to have a discussion about um, occultism with military and the intelligence community. Uh, I guess it's a perfect thing for Memorial Day or something. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Kind of ironic how that worked out, but it was like days off for us. So we figured it was a good time and Jay had the time open. But you know, uh, it's it's great to have Jay come on here. I know that uh, we've communicated for the past few years back and forth. Uh, yeah. We followed one another. Um, you know, for me, a lot of spicy, a lot of spicy memes you put up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and because of those spicy memes, sometimes we're hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We you come we, and go uh, like a you're like a ghost. You come and go. Yeah, man. We're on. Uh, I think this is our forty first iteration of the uh, the. Oh PBW. wow. Yeah, yeah, because uh, when we were back on Facebook, um, we were repeatedly yeah. getting zapped there. Now, that was back in the day, too. I mean, we were rude, you know. I mean, we were yeah. trying to be honest, but we were rude about stuff when it came to the military. Um, and so we got on people's radars. And actually, it was uh, that stupid dude that, like, a bunch of the military guys had gone to Columbia, and they started up a – his dad worked for Fox News, and they'd started up their own little uh, – news site or whatever like that but we would start nailing them and then because his dad worked for fox news he had connections with facebook and like if we said something mean about him we'd boom get deleted <laughs> yeah down. yeah man so that, that's what's kind of funny too because you know for me it, it's always been about honesty right and so but it was kind of a nihilistic honesty i think but as i was starting to look at the world and i was starting to look for you know, what's truth and things like that. That's how I ended up stumbling upon some of your stuff. And like one of the first things that I really paid attention to was um, Tragedy and Hope when you did that. And I bought the book because you were mm. saying things that were in Tragedy and Hope that I was like, there's no way this is true. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because it doesn't sound real. And would you just, you know what, since I'm talking about that, I can talk about it if you want to. Like, what is Tragedy and Hope? President Hope is a gigantic uh, 12, 1,300-page book written by Dr. Carol Quigley, who was uh, the, some say basically the archivist for the Council on Foreign Relations. So he's kind of like the inner historian for the Western global power elite. And uh, he was also the mentor to Bill Clinton. So he kind of trained him in terms of his uh, intellectual inter enterprise uh, he was also a military historian, oddly enough. He's not like a uh, geopolitical policymaker, but for whatever reason, they chose him to kind of be the uh, strategist for how to how to raise and rear Bill Clinton into the global elite <laughs> structure and make sure he was a good boy uh, being a bad boy. Um, yeah, so that's quickly. And then, you know, there's a whole lore around the book that the plates, the original plates were destroyed and uh, he supposedly said too much i don't know exactly how much is true out of all that i'm not denying people's claims about that i just don't know the lore behind the book but yeah um, i mean i also heard these stories too that it was given to cia section chiefs in the 1970s to help explain you know like why, why are we funding communists uh, well here read this book you know <laughs> so um so yeah, yeah so basically it's, it's like a giant history of the 20th century from the perspective of the power elite, uh, it was written, I think, in the 1960s, so it kind of ends, you know, in the Cold War, but 
<clears throat> it is wild how much stuff is in there. I mean, he really packed it with, you know, basically, oh, yeah, of course, the banking elite are pretty much behind the wars and they've constructed, you know, a giant fiat scam system for the you know, Federal Reserve system to rape everybody um, on and on and on uh, all the way to, you know, yeah, we're going to build giant uh, computer cities that are technocratic nightmares. I mean, it's all in there. Yeah, it's it's like uh, the whole idea that you're in a forced Hegelian dialectic and quite often you're just looking for a jersey to put on and how they control that with the media yeah. and propaganda. It's it's crazy, especially, you know, for both, um, you know, Doc and I, you know, coming from that military background, obviously yeah. we joined the military thinking that we were wearing our jersey at that point. You know, yeah. one of the good guys. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we, we not realizing that we were just working for the corporations and banks. So it's been right. eye-opening. And that's honestly like you helped bring me to that. And the irony of it too as well was, you know, like whenever you had podcasts on orthodoxy, I would totally avoid them. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with religion. <laughs> you know, I thought yeah. that there was a way outside of religion. Like I could just with rationalism figure this out but it was a podcast that you did with um tristan and with um jim bob it was mm. on the, the boiler room with uh Hesher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and on that episode uh tristan suggested getting the um nihilism, nihilism and then also the orthodox study bible well guess what i got nihilism yeah. I didn't get the study Bible yet because, again, I was like, all right, I'm yeah. ready to read a book. But I made it through the second chapter of nihilism, and I was like, okay, he says everything I've been thinking and then more. He provides the whole framework from scholasticism through yeah. the Renaissance, through rationalism, up to now where we're at. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to get that Orthodox study Bible. <laughs> and, and then Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's funny. This, it, that's a good contrast between those two books, actually, because – you know, Tragedy and Hope also covers um, a lot of history and philosophy. Maybe not a lot of it, but like the beginning chapters and then the end chapters discuss the um, aspects of Western civilization that Quigley thinks that can t can continue on, and they're kind of like the worst aspects of Western <laughs> civilization. So he's like, if we just had more libertarian economic freedom, and if we just had more, you know uh i don't know basic bits liberalism or whatever he's arguing for that's the hope right so the tragedy is the two world wars the hope is that democratic neoliberal capitalism can um you know give the world the best uh, what he thinks the best aspects of western civilization you contrast that with father seven roses um stages of nihilism and revolution yeah. right yeah. so revolu revolution progresses from you know the 1700s up to today's just total you know denial of biology you know what i mean yeah. like it's like that's the end goal of where we are now and yeah. so the, the, the contrast between those two books couldn't be greater well you know and and it's just i had spent a lot of time reading dostoevsky earlier you know mm. when i was my agnostic stage but mm -hmm. when i hit father sarah from rose it just all clicked you know and then you can see like leading up to like nietzsche and what came about in the 20th century, like the godlessness that led to all the wars and everything that we're seeing. And then like what you're saying too, as well, like now creating a many genders, genderless society, just creating that transhuman yeah. type of thing. 
you know, and and that's that's the thing is like, I don't know how. Number one, you know, because leading up to this podcast with the occultism, I ended up getting um, that book on the left hand path, and you know, just reading through people. Like I've read some of these books at times, but it's often at a small type of thing. But to actually sit down there and trying to make notes of what's going on, like I can only make it 10 pages sometimes. And I got to put it down. It's like, these guys are so full of crap, you know, like they're so full of themselves. And I don't know what, like you have read so many books of what's the opposition. And it's a, it's a library of information. I would suggest to the audience going to Jay's uh, page. And then also um, Jay does uh, host on, what do you what do you call on on uh how do you describe aj um lord voldemort right because you can't yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) that that was the joke that he was making when he first got uh banned everywhere he was like i'm 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 like voldemort from harry potter folks you you can't name me you'll get you'll get banned (laughs) you'll get deleted if you name my name (laughs) but it's a great too you know a a lot of times on friday jay hosts that but you're doing like podcast almost every day too anyway you know various topics and you've got some books do as well but if you would just go ahead and um before i try to give you your biography maybe you can give us your elevator pitch yeah i I get asked i don't even know how to describe what we do anymore like right like so like we had a we have a boomer family member and and he doesn't know like what i do at all he knows that i do this kind of stuff and like he just calls it He's like, how's your internet business doing? <laughs> like the, the way Come that the on, boomer Bobby. thinks about the boomer thinks about what I do is like just so foreign to them. But um, yeah, we do a lot of stuff. So basically, we um, we cover movies, we cover geopolitics, we cover philosophy, we cover uh, literature. Now we're trying to do more lit and history, just to kind of break things up. I, I get really bored if I'm doing the same topic over and over and over. Sure. So that's why you've you've seen such a uh cycle of topics that we've covered over the years but yeah we do that i do the fourth hour of alex jones every friday um what else do we do uh you got a live event coming up in la as well right uh yeah actually i have a whole bunch of uh events coming up so this weird because this year turned into the year of live events so that was something that we kind of experimented doing um at the advice of sam tripoli he was like don't do live don't don't i was like okay sure we'll try it out i didn't think it would be it would do very well but uh it's been fun it's a it's like a side stream of income but anyway yeah so we have a july 6th live event uh we've incorporated like comedy stand up um all the impressions all that kind of stuff in the live events so that'll be july 6th in la if you're in la you want to come out uh it's going to be a lot of fun we'll have jamie kennedy from scream is going to be there we did a podcast and hit it off pretty good had a good conversation so we uh, discussed doing a live event anyway um yeah so i've written three or four books three three books um working on the fourth book uh two on hollywood one on philosophy um yeah the so that's book? basically is that what it is? the red book of philosophy or the red no, one counts yeah, yeah. well the, the material in the little books the same as what's in the red book it's just two different formats because the okay. funny thing about the i didn't make the red book somebody else did <laughs> so uh, it's yeah, a funny it story Hulu. yeah it's a funny story because I, I don't know who did that somebody just like took all of my essays and put them in a book 
which I had no idea they did that. And I'd, I'd be like, it'd been nice of you to ask me if you'd done this first. Like, so I just did that. <laughs> and then I, I tried to take it down like three or four times and they would just put it right back up. So I was just like, all right, fine. I'll just roll with it. So, <laughs> so that's where that book, it's not actually my book, but it is. Well, Lulu's is, is cool though. I mean, unfortunately for you, I can see that's uh, challenging, but I know like I've been able to find, you know, like the Russian martyr series. Oh uh, yeah. You can find crazy the- stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's dude. Tell you what, reading that Russian martyr series, like I've got to read that a chapter at a time. When you're diving into what happened with Bolshevism, it's like it just gets you. You're like, okay, that's painful, but it's yeah, that whole period is crazy. Um, yeah, and I, I don't mean to be. I'm not whining too much because actually it turned out to be good, a good thing that they put that red book together because um, they they tweaked whoever did it tweaked it a little bit, so it's a little better format now. It's still kind of you know home done but anyway so yeah uh that's what we do um we used to, we did a lot of debates but we kind of it's not that we got tired of debates but um it just got to a point where basically there weren't really any quality people from these other traditions that were really wanting to step up um and we we kept reaching out like i would reach out to more of the top muslims more of the atheists and uh it just kind of went quiet like we couldn't really get anybody to do it so that's the main reason that the debates kind of subsided but uh, for a while there for about two years straight we were doing pretty you know pretty high hardcore debates with matt delahunty stefan molyneux all the different muslim guys yeah it's always funny too you know it's funny like um in reading this book it reminded me not necessarily on the debates with the muslims but sometimes when you hear the muslims talk you know reading the book on the occult they in really reading the way the occult writes things how they like to you know they'll they'll throw muhammad in there and then they'll say but then he said and then they'll do like the big long like arabic thing that nobody has any idea and then they'll tell you what it said that's what yeah. the occultists remind me of at times yeah exactly it's interesting that's a good parallel i have a question for you guys so like sure. did you have that <clears throat> a lot of military guys i've noticed like they have a very kind of practical attitude towards things because it's like well, this shit doesn't work, then I don't care about it, right? And so then then they, that attitude is kind of applied to all of the fields, like, oh, well, religion, well, you know, does this work? You know, where do I, I don't see this God, it's not practical. So, I mean, was that the attitude that you had when you said you had this kind of uh, agnostic? I think a lot of us have that phase, too, like, you know, where we... we how, was that, that your approach to the question? Well, so I'll, I'll give mine real quick background, mm-hmm. and then you can give yours too, man, if okay. you don't mind. Yeah, so for me like i grew up i was born roman catholic baptized i grew up much more like my best friend growing up is a lutheran pastor and i used to hang out with him but you know experiencing a lot of the protestant side of things it was like that it, it, i reached a point of where i was just like yeah none of this it didn't really come together it didn't hold water for me and so especially when i joined the military you know and then dealing with and confronting things the military side for me at a certain point seeing evil the way i saw evil um i it, especially with a protestant framework i was like you know okay there can't be a god because you wouldn't allow this sort of evil obviously with the background of the theology as a uh, i've learned it a lot more with orthodoxy it makes a lot more sense because it's not that god allows that our rejection of god has created a world that's a godless world that allows evil yeah, I have kind of some like some similar, very kind of pragmatic kind of grew up Latino. So <laughs> like I grew up Roman Catholic, 
became a Protestant. Uh, and then just, yeah, it didn't really kind of work out in that aspect. I was trying to apply things in like that theologically don't really kind of add up and don't make sense. It's like, how am I supposed to do all these things if I don't have the proper framework? I'm not fasting. I'm not praying as much as I should. And then I'm only saying what's on my mind. And most of the time it's like, I have no clue what I'm saying. So yeah, I kind of fell out from a lot of that, like into like drug use and all this stuff. And eventually I was like, I'm just going to join the military. And then that kind of gave me some structure, which was good. But then, yeah, like you said, that was a good uh, point of, things became very pragmatic it's okay does this work cool then we're gonna keep doing that this we're gonna try something else yeah if it doesn't work yeah yeah i'm sorry i mean i mean no you're good i was gonna ask though did you guys uh did you guys uh view military as and there's a reason i'm gonna ask i'm asking you guys all this i know this Mm -hmm. is like like, i'm not i'm not opting you to like flip the interview (laughs) interview, you guys are like what's he doing man this is a (laughs) no uh so like a lot of guys join the military for you know for various reasons the weird thing is that in my case my dad was like a super he he loved the military like he thought it was so great he worshiped it and if he hadn't been so heavy on it i might have actually joined the military but like when you're a teenager and your parent you know your dad like loves the military and he's always trying to push it on you that's the last thing you want to do right you're like i'm yeah. like no nah, hell no i'm not joining the military because you want me to <laughs> Well, but you know, if, he, if he hadn't been that way i might have because I, I always had you know an interest in these kinds of things but my mom was the opposite she, she was always like no don't let him go in that you know he's he's not he's not made for that oh it'll be all right uh, anyway so i'm curious like was it uh oh i just want to stop doing drugs and i want to you know clean up my life or was it oh i want to get that money for college or like what because i had a military family that's the yeah. weird part it was like my, i had a uncle who was like a super cold warrior dude and my dad was like a you know he wasn't an officer but he re- he was enlisted but he really loved the navy and they were always pushing it so i'm just, I'm always curious as to why people chose to go into the military yeah for me um my uncle was in vietnam and like so he was a marine so i kind of had that aspect i always like helping people out like i grew up poor so it was just like oh we're and with even still with that protestant mindset oh, we were helping other people who were in like struggling positions and then as I kind of fell away, I kind of like started doing drugs and all this other stuff. And I'm like, I need to clean myself up, clean up my life. And I knew it was going to give me a little bit more of like a structure and a bit more maturity. And then it it did. But then it's also kind of like the 13th grade in a weird way, because there's <laughs> it, yeah. there, people are very immature that it just it, it gets a little overboard. But sometimes like once you actually go to like deployable units and stuff like that, it gets a lot more serious at least from my experience from like doing that, especially with like the Marine Corps and stuff like that, spending time overseas, you get that seriousness of like, no, Hey, this training, like if you don't do things right, people are going to die. And like, it it really kind of steered me a little bit more forward to every little thing that you kind of do matters. So it kind of set me up in a good way. And then, you know, eventually I kind of wanted to offer something else to someone, you know, like if I was going to get married and stuff, have some form of stable income and, uh, do that so that that's what it was for me so it was kind of like a way out of just of my hometown and then to do something better but ironically yeah. enough i stayed in california for like forever <laughs> for, for me man um so i was like a punk rock skater kid um really rebellious and i'm still like in my own way that's probably kind of what i think adds to sort of the character of you know the spicy memes it helps yeah. me to kind of come from that direction um I I was supposed to start college 
I was actually, I went to art school for a year <laughs> and uh, I had, I postponed it uh, just for You sound like me, by the way. I, I almost went to art school. I ended up, I ended up doing a year, man. Um, but I postponed it for a year. And then in the process of postponing it for a year, um, I had a vehicle that broke down and uh, it was going to cost me a ton of money. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to give this a shot. And so I went in, um, I did all right on like the ASVAB. I had an opportunity. Uh, I wanted to go like into languages, linguistics, but a lot of the stuff that I wanted to go into in that area was closed. So um, I went ahead and I, I like just chose a different path in, in doing that. And it was funny because when I was in the military, how many people I stumbled upon that had an attitude like mine? You know, there's a lot of my friends um that were in like special operations community and things like that. And it, 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 there was a parallel, a lot of the people, like those were real people, you know, and I got to know real people. And those are people like I'm still friends with now. Um, I don't know if I've answered your question right. You know, it's just like, I didn't go into it like all gung ho, like, you know, Team America. But while I was in, I became like much more Team America. But when I got out for a while, I was hardcore Team America, you know, like, <laughs> Okay, this makes yeah, sense. Yeah, you're yeah. like, you're <laughs> like, you know, like as I rejected all these things before, this all makes sense now. And then it's kind of come back to like, then I realized I started wearing that jersey. You know, again, it was that Hegelian dialectic I was playing into. Yeah, yeah. I just always think it's fascinating to find out the the motivations, like why people, you know, chose that path in life, and because sometimes every now and then like you'll meet the people that are <clears throat> like oh this is you know my family worships this right it's like the greatest highest you know calling that you could ever do and then other people are like oh i was just you know trying to get laid and i thought if i wore the <laughs> uniform, like if i wore a uniform chicks dig it you know it's, it's just crazy reasons anyway if i show my dog um, tags at the bar you know <laughs> exactly. yeah. hey we gotta go so later. I, I guess that ties into what what you guys want to talk about today in the yeah. sense that like um you know military is in a sense, I mean, I'm not saying it's it's not a it's an honorable, definitely a, a high calling in the sense that to defend the country and all this kind of stuff and to be a soldier is is a noble, virtuous uh, profession, and we know that from you know divine revelation, scripture, and many places and traditions. So, but we can also, I think, understand that the these institutions can be corrupted and can be used for nefarious purposes, and there's always been. I think some degree uh, of a temptation maybe for people in the military towards something like Satanism. And mm -hmm. the reason I think that is because, well, number one, uh, I have a, I have a friend who's a, who's a, a Marine uh, Southeast China sea analyst guy, and he loves military history. And he got me to get this uh, history, military history of Western world by a guy named Fuller. And uh, he was telling me the background of this guy, and they're like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy's like a famous military historian, but but he's like a Satanist and all this stuff." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> what? He's a Satanist?" Yeah. And uh, and he's like, "Yeah, well, if you think about it, you know, the idea of the soldier being, you know, kind of a law unto himself, and you got to improve, like it's like the extreme form of self improvement to the point mm -hmm. of self worship, which is the philosophy mm -hmm. of the Satanist. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the overlap comes: is that the there can be a uh, an extreme of this idea that I'm going to be the perfect killing machine. I'm going to train myself to be, you know, this super um, Nietzschean Ubermensch version of myself. And that overlaps with, you know, the satanic Nietzschean ethos to a degree, I think is like one overlap. Oh, no, 
Dude, I agree with you 100%. And that's like one of the things that I have found more difficult as I've been kind of moving along. And uh, well, I don't know. It, the challenge, I guess I should say, as I've moved along in my path of orthodoxy and like developing some more discernment, I guess, at times. But then I run into the egos of people where I used to thrive off of my ego. And I run into that with a lot of the guys that I've known at times. Um, they don't have humility. And they they just like they're light. They see the light, but they think the light is them and not somewhere else. That they're not a reflection of the light. You know, they're focusing on that and they're focusing on that in that very Luciferian yeah. way. Um, it, it it is. It's so common. Yeah. You know, I know at times, and that was the irony of it. It wasn't until you know in the last few years, as I've started to reflect on this, that there's people, oddly enough, that I would bump into who were. Uh, occultist satanic things like that and it was funny and yeah. ironic how many of them had ties they were part of like intel like they were into witchcraft yeah, exactly yeah. yeah i remember years ago i would go to so like i'm always my mom was a librarian and, a, and an editor so i've always grown up with books and anytime i go anywhere to a city like i always go to the bookstores first um i remember years ago like maybe in the early 2000s like not too long after the big nine event um I live I lived in a town that's not too far from a, a pretty prominent famous uh, base and the whole it's like a military city right and uh so I, I would go to the bookstores back in the early 2000s and I remember even then like I would I would go to this bookstore probably it's a giant one and I'd go probably once every month and I remember a consistent pattern of I was noticing a lot of the the soldiers from the base would pop up in the occult section buying like satanic books mm -hmm. and i mean i don't have any proof of this i just always wondered like you know were they promoting this like at that at that local you know <laughs> i mean i know the military's had like the satanic chaplains and you know they've had you know people like aquino in there uh for a long time but i was just always wondering like why are all these military dudes over here buying witchcraft books buying you know <laughs> anton LaVey's books it was so it was a consistent pattern i would notice I think so like from my experience, oh, uh, was that like if you look at them, like I've I just got out last year, so like I still it's still kind of fresh. It's like the way the system works is just like for promotion, you have to have like a brag sheet and practically brag about yourself. So it's you're already feeding that egoistic kind of set, like mindset, and then everything's about yourself, the big things you are doing. So you start pushing to that, and then a lot of people don't like to have that. Uh, that christian kind of mindset of stuff so it's just like it's more i guess in an opposition but it's like they try to find things to kind of uh to be edgy uh, honestly a, a lot of people are kind of edgy when it comes to like a lot of military stuff like that and even when it comes to like satanism some people are, are honestly some of the smartest and dumbest like people i've met have been like in the military high iq guys and i don't know if it's just out of sheer curiosity but then also there's been other events like Bible burning in Afghanistan because they didn't want to proselytize and little things like that, that eventually add up that kind of plants that, that seed of just like, Hey man, Christianity is nothing. So then they kind of start looking at all this occultism or even just the esoteric uh, things like that. Cause you get bored on deployment, you meet people, you start talking. Yeah. So I think that kind of also opens yeah. up that door into the occult. Cause I've had conversations like out overseas where it's just like, you're bored and you've been sitting in a hole or you're sitting in a truck and it's just like, okay, bro. Like, so what do you like? And then just, you know, you meet that one dude who's just kind of yeah. a little out there. And I think that's what opens up those doors because people get really close real fast. So at well, least that's from my experience. Yeah. And that Levain 
style of Satanism is perfect for that because it's like we're Satanists, but we really don't worship Satan. We're atheist Satanists. We're just yeah, worshiping right. yourself. You know, it's like it's a great gateway. Yeah. 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 And I think um I, I don't I can't prove this, but another theory I've had is that, you know, I think a lot of these cults, um, well, I, I, this is not a theory. A lot of the cults do have overlap with uh, you know, intelligence agencies, and they've been used in various capacities, and they've been <clears throat> breeding grounds for experiments and for, you know, finding wackos and patsies and that kind of stuff. I think that is true. Uh, so, oh, yeah. but I, I wonder, I wonder too, like, you know, uh, for example, I read a, uh, a book a couple of years ago that was talking about, I think back in the 70s, that there was a experiment in the military where they were really trying to push uh, on certain battalions, an experiment with uh, getting them all into um, positive thinking, <laughs> and and they were trying to see if like if they got all the soldiers into Norman Vincent Peale and like uh, you know basically chanting mantras about how awesome you are every day, if that would actually work. <laughs> but I, I just thought it was an odd experiment, but that tied in with the same time frame of in the 1970s when they were really pushing the, um, you guys have seen Men Who Stare at Goats, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that that whole like Stanford Research, First Earth Battalion phase of where, you know, could we, uh, could we train these Jedi Psy soldiers, right? Which I think the program was kind of a failure, but some of the aspects of it, like... Uh, remote viewing and this kind of stuff yeah. seem to be fairly successful. So, so one um, hard document that can be pointed to that we do know for sure is the whole Sanford Research First Earth Battalion stuff, where they started pushing kind of these light forms of occultism and, and experimentation in the military. The intelligence agencies were doing this too, but not just the U.S. But the Soviets had psi spies too, where they're trying to see could we tap into, you know, psychic powers and and train our soldiers to have remote viewing capabilities and um you know, so so those elements are known those are all declassified um and then there's the harder crazier stuff you know with some of the serial killer programs phoenix program you know can we weaponize these kind cr of crazy people that we've profiled to be um assassins uh you know you, you guys know about phoenix program and all that oh, stuff, yeah right? yeah well, that monarch as well yeah. Well, and, and I think the thing is, too, is like uh, it, and maybe you realize this uh, probably and I don't know how many people in the audience, you know, especially when guys get into special operations, there's a whole psychological evaluation that goes into that, you know, and, you know, I mean, there's psychological evaluation for different things, but specifically in the special operations community, they're trying to find people with sociopathic tendencies. Just the reality of it. Yeah, exactly. That That's that's what. um it's pretty obvious. I mean, and, and, you know, the, the books written on this are written by, you know, guys who were in the military like Douglas Valentine and he's very critical and, and I don't, uh, and I don't necessarily agree with all of his conclusions, but cause I think he kind of went into thinking like, Oh, you know, all of this Western stuff's bad. And so, uh, you know, maybe Buddhism's good or something like that, which I don't agree with, but, <laughs> but he does have, uh, you know, a pretty technical detailed account of what went down in the Phoenix program and, and um you know that's interesting and it's not just him there's there's also like navy programs that that have uh, popped up in the, in the mainstream media that have been mentioned where it's like yeah we're going to profile and create assassins and all that and and i understand that the military has a, a degree of 
like that that's part of what they do so i don't even necessarily object to because i'm not uh, you know i'm I'm pro death penalty i don't i think that there's situations where you do have to engage in these kinds of activities but the problem is that you get the door for just total corruption with these unaccountable you know shadow groups that can yeah. can use these things for uh you know all kinds of self-serving ridiculous purposes that have nothing to do with the defense of the nation well well yeah and it was interesting that you pointed out how he turned to Buddhism because, you know, in my exploration on the way back to orthodoxy, I did go through sort of that Eastern type thing because you, if you've seen the framework of Western civilization, which is primarily brought about at least, you know, the United States with, you know, Protestantism and things like that, and then you see where it's led to, then you're going to look outside and try to see something like exactly. that, you know, and, and we're not exposed because... I don't know about you. For me, orthodoxy was just Catholicism, but the Eastern version before I knew what orthodoxy was. You know, and, yeah, I and, think most most Westerners think that. Looking at it, exactly. Yeah, and so it's it's interesting too to to see though at the same times too with that corruption that's created. I think by the military, how then it leads to someone you know like I'd like to talk about too is Michael Aquino. You know, a guy that. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically enough, was born on the day of uh, the execution of the Durenberg trial members, and he considered himself uh, one of the three beasts of the revelation of revelations, along with uh, <laughs> Aleister Crowley. You know, like yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> like, and even because I listened to podcast with this guy prior to him, uh, yeah, I've listened to a lot of those too. Yeah, he, he's, his oh, eyebrows man. are on point though. Like just <laughs> literally on point. Literally. Well, you know what? We were we were watching yeah. a bunch of old horror movies, and we realized that like if you go back to the 1930s horror movies, like uh, Boris Karloff, he looks just like Aquino. So Michael Aquino is literally just trying to ape himself from like old horror movie actors. <laughs> like that's the look he's going for. That's funny. I've got to I've got to look back at that. It, it reminded me of Grandpa uh, Munster in some ways too you know, like a like a younger version of what i would expect grandpa munster to look like because it, it's so over the top what he was doing like what he was going on right. yeah it's like uh the, it's like they there there's this extreme sort of um delusion of grandeur right that oh by the way though you know those uh the beasts in revelation that's me by the way uh i mean it's just super delusion and then at the same time, there's like this clownish, cartoonish element to it, which is just kind of, it's over the top. But I think that for a lot of those guys, you know, they they studied and they were really interested in Hollywood. They were really fast, especially LeVay was very fascinated with Hollywood. So he was actually into the theatrics and the, you know, carnival circus clownery. He thought it actually added to it. And I mean, Crowley has quotes about that too, where he was kind of like, you know, you, you have to kind of live the part and also be kind of a, a clown as well so yeah but anyway i mean i think that it's just a manifestation of you know intense delusion and well, even in the, in the midst of this delusion they end up kind of looking silly and cartoonish to me well it's ironic then too that they met at the premiere of rosemary's baby's baby uh michael aquino yeah. and anton levey in san francisco that's where they they had their first meeting there uh it, it, it's funny as you bring that up because of that tight hollywood because even levey was um wasn't he actually some kind of a a source for hollywood movies in that early 70s satanic kind of thing that was going on yeah I, I've, I've heard this debunked and then it turns out to be true and uh 
Jamie just, my wife just read a book on a biography of LeVay, uh, but I think the woman that he had his first kid with and, uh, no, it is true. Like he was, he was definitely in the Hollywood circles and he was hanging out with Jane Mansfield and he was hanging out with, uh, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. became a member of that, of that church. So he's in all those circles and, and he did consult at least on a few movies. Um, so that's 100% true, but, uh, you know, to what degree these various actors and whatnot took it serious, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, but again, like you, like you said, like the, the, the LeVay level of it is just kind of like, oh, we just worship ourselves and, you know, this is social Darwinism and religion for, in a religious form is all it is. So, uh, but the, the key, the key thing I want to say there is just this point, which is that what I started noticing when I was reading about this years ago was, you know, a lot of these people overlap with the military. Like a lot of these guys, a lot of these people are um, directly tied into military intelligence, CIA. And that's ex especially what we see with uh, Aquino, right, who goes on to become uh colonel. And then he writes this, you know, mine this war. essay, the, the essay, uh, yeah, Mine War to Psy War, uh, or Psy War to Mine War, whatever it is, that, that talks about pretty crazy stuff. I mean, he talks about EMF you know, ionosphere, uh, weaponization, spraying. He talks about how you can at uh, attack people at the cellular level through these different uh, frequencies. I mean, it's pretty hardcore stuff in that, in that essay, but, uh, yeah. And I also read his book. He has a book on black magic from, he's like, let's take, uh, the principles of black magic and apply it to psyops. He's like, cause all psyops is, is basically voodoo and sorcery, you know, appropriated at the technological level for the military. Yeah, and he there's a quote on there that like kind of stood out to me on that where it's like mind war has nothing to do with deception, even selected, therefore misleading truth. The other states the whole truth that if it doesn't exist now will be forced uh into existence by the will of the US, which kind of ties back into the whole yeah. Crowley aspect of do as thou will, you know what I mean? It's like pushing Always. your will onto others. And even in that, it's just like the pure manifestation of that is just like Bro, you're they're using this demonic will to push all these things. And they op they say it openly and people are like, I don't understand how they fall to the side. I was like, nah, man, th that's not what they mean. But it's like, yo, they say it here out loud. And even then he's like, mind war must reach out to friends, enemies, neutrals, anyone around the globe. And we're going to use yeah. the media possessed by the U.S. because it reaches everybody. So it's like they're openly saying it. Yeah, we're right. going to use all these things against you, and there's nothing you can do about it. And then when you question us about it, we're going to be like, ah, oh, you, you know, we're just writing, just ideas. Well, that, and, and and if you go all the way up to today uh, with that the NATO cognitive warfare uh, thing that came out a couple of years ago, that's it's all the same type of attitude and philosophy in that NATO thing. And they're saying the same thing that, well, if you uh, will weaponize this against the entire population, and if you disagree with this, then we'll say that you're a uh, cyber terrorist, basically. So, and, and the whole document is about transhumanism. It's like, um, you know, we, what we have to push nanotech, we have to push actual changing of the human brain and the human uh, genome. So it's like literal transhumanist, you know, Klaus level stuff in this cognitive warfare document. And it, a lot of that wording, all that phraseology is very similar to the side word of mind war, um, similar to, have you ever read that one, uh, mine has no firewall. Do you guys know that one? I don't, not yet. No. It's another one of those older, uh, psyop documents. I think it's from, I can't remember if it's from the army war college or something, but it came out in like the late nineties or early two thousands. And it's about how, um, the, the mind is, uh, kind of like a computer, 
and you can we'll basically weaponize all this tech to to mind control everybody right because the, the mind doesn't have any block because you know when you open your eyes the information is sort of pouring into your into your cranium through your eyes so since there's no firewall there basically we can weaponize information um through the internet is basically what it's saying on a, yeah. on a large scale like it's saying for everybody like everybody has mm. no no firewall in their mind and so the entirety of the web can basically be a weapon sounds like the facebook meta dream universe exactly yeah and yep. this is before social media right yeah well but but they were working on social media the cia was working on social media before facebook came about you sure. know like makes me wonder you know with uh the early days darpa net and all the things like that like how many people foresaw something like this the ability of this i guess it kind of makes me think too of you know, when you look at like John D when mm -hmm, mm -hmm. talking to the angels and how they were trying to, with the Enochian magic, they were trying to create the future sort of thing. It's like how much of that was going on with the, the CIA and the DARPA and things like that. Well, by the way, I found this document. It's uh 1998 army war college. The mine has no firewall. It's not that long. I recommend reading it if you haven't read it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should actually brush up on that one because I haven't talked about that in probably like seven or eight years. But uh, one thing I noticed too is that a lot of the uh, occult stuff, the, the overlap that it has with military intelligence and you know CIA and all that is that it has to do with cryptography, right? So I think with John D, what happened was he realized that a lot of the Enochian magic, and, and I, I think that he did to some degree take that stuff seriously because there's a book called... Uh, Rosicrucian Enlightenment. Uh, it's one of the famous um, treatises on the history of the Enlightenment being uh, influenced by Hermeticism, alchemy, and occultism. And in that book, she covers the uh, how John Dee had an influence on the uh, Rosicrucians, right? So before the Rosicrucians came about, John Dee and his Neoplatonic um, angel magic right was was all about apotheosis it was all about how through all of this uh, you can achieve basically apotheosis you can become god um so this actually lays the groundwork as you as you guys probably know for uh, the ideas behind transhumanism and all that that you know man can through technology achieve godhood and the, the difference being that at that time right they're they're thinking let's manipulate these these symbols um and use uh you know formulations calculations and whatnot uh, to transmute gold or uh, base metals into gold and that could be an allegory or an, uh, a pattern for how we can uh, take you know the right materials in the natural world to turn them into some sort of technology or vehicle for immortality so this really does underlie all the transhumanist stuff right it directly goes back to john d and the alchemists and all these people and this is not this is actually from historians this is not my it's not conspiracy theorizing but there's another element that i wanted to mention about john d which is that he also seemed to have uh, been creative in utilizing these magic symbols and sigils as a form of cryptography so you know in terms of spycraft if you want to transmit mm -hmm. messages to the queen one good way to do that might be through a cipher that other people have no idea what that is. And so mm -hmm. the, you know, the history of cryptography, right? There's always been 
mm-hmm. code makers and code breakers. And so the more obscure that you could make your codes with things that nobody had, as no one has any idea what these symbols mean, right? Then the better the security is for the cryptography. So I think that that was also a part of this that he was, because he, he, he was a spy, right? A lot of people don't, don't know John D was uh, the first 007, right? So when Ian Fleming wrote the Bond stories, he's giving a nod to that by you know being aware of his own british intelligence history that um you know john d was the first 007 because he would sign his letters with the two balls and the cane when he was writing to elizabeth so that's mm-hmm. that's what i think is a big part of this story is that a lot of the secret society stuff is actually spycraft it's actually i mean i'm not saying there aren't people that you know there's people that take it seriously but there's also people that are using it for other purposes and that really gives us an insight into how the military and intelligence agencies would view uh, cults and secret societies, right? It's a vehicle. I'm not saying it's only a vehicle, but it's all, it's a vehicle for intelligence stuff. And we see this also with Freemasonry because uh, Jessica Harlan Jacobs, who's a historian, she wrote a book uh, called the builders. And she just details how the, for, for the duration of the British empire, basically the Freemasonic lodges were their intelligence network. And there's certain movies that you can watch, uh, like the man who would be King with, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Caine, and Sean Connery. I mean, you can tell they're like, they're basically just spies who are then scallywags out to just make their own money. Right. But they're, they're spies because they were, um, they were Masons. Right. So they, they, mm-hmm. this, the lodges served this function, um, for the British empire, right. As their intelligence network. Well, and what's interesting, I think, too, that you you you've kind of touched on a little bit, but you know, so the intelligence agencies are going to use the occultism to you know basically help them with their craft, right? But I think what the especially when you look at it um, from the metaphysical level is that those entities in turn are actually using you in such a way that's for the destruction of mankind. At the end, the end goal, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I well, think because that's because that's what like with the uh, Enochian magic with John D. They're talking mm-hmm. about bringing about a new age. Crowley's yes. talking about that, and then even back to Michael Aquino. You know, like he he ends up in seventy five having his own on uh, the the summer uh, what is it summer solstice, hit, mm-hmm. where he summons uh, the Prince of Darkness uh, and creates uh, his uh, own the Temple of Set. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where where he's now rejected basically LeVay, he's going to help to bring about that new age. And exactly. Yeah. He says that uh his whole thing was the the magician speaking the new word and the new aeon. But it but a lot of this too is just their own ridiculous like individual delusions of grandeur because he was he was like, if you remember, he says something like, um, Oh, well, you know, we thought LeVay was going to be the magus of the new Aeon, but no, it's me because I'm the yeah. one that's the real magus. That's the, you know, it's like, and and the thing is that in the the Crowleyan system, one thing I, I learned by uh, looking at the various figures who graduated from that is that you'll notice that many of them basically just start their own cult. And it, mm-hmm. and it looks like that what that structure is there for is to, basically train you in being an expert in uh, religion making because by the if you look at l ron hubbard if you look at gerald gardner 
who starts Wicca, Hubbard with Scientology. I don't recall if to what degree um, Aquino was into Crowley, but it's basically the same pattern here, which is that at a certain point they they get they get to the the stage where they say, okay, now it's my, it's time to start my cult, and I'm the magus that that has the you know magical word for the new aeon. What? Well, that's what so, so it's all it's just create it's just it's just graduate school creating a cult is all that stuff is. Well, what's funny though too is one of the things like every time I'd stumble upon when somebody's talking about Aquino, whether it's in a book or on a podcast or something, and they're like, and then he stepped down for like three years, you know, like he steps down and nobody's ever done this before. And that's just the thing because they're so egotistical, like you just, it's so unheard of. And they make it sound like, oh, what a great guy he is. <laughs> he stepped down. And it's like, okay, like it's just, it, it's so unheard of. And they make it seem like he's some kind of, I don't, I yeah. don't want to, saint but whatever they call it uh he's a he's a better demon <laughs> than the other demons <laughs> yeah that's a that's a good point i mean it's every one of these groups is like you know oh we have the path to becoming gods right i mean that's what all, all these systems are basically just you becoming your own god whether it's wicca whether it's uh you know neoplatonic magic or whether it's Crowley or any of these things, it's all this promise of exactly what, you know, Satan promised in the garden. You'll, you'll be God if you just, you know, follow my magical system and send me, you know, $200 a month. <laughs> right. Um, so, but it's, so. The, but just, I'm just saying that while it's true that there's this, this dark component to it for sure, I'm not denying that. There's also a gigantic level of con man scammer involved. And that's what one thing you notice is that like a lot of these people, They'll even brag about uh, like how good they are at lying, <laughs> scamming oh, yeah. people, and then it's like, but then people fall for their. I believe the system. I've mastered the whole system. It's like, well, you know, this guy says he's a liar and a con man, right? So, yeah. is it possible <laughs> that you got scammed? I mean, <laughs> have you considered that angle? I don't think they do because then it's like, what's that old saying go? It's easier to fool someone than to tell them they've been fooled. You know what I mean? So they've already well, bought actually, into Crow it. Crowley yeah. Crowley cites the. Uh, pt barnum quote right the fool's born every minute crowley actually yeah that's right that. yeah and even then like all the stuff that they write is kind of like it's right i know you've been doing the series and i know you reposted an old video of it's all in your face and literally it's like you read the books that they write or the stuff that they put out and it's super obvious when it comes to a lot of that stuff and it's like look yeah we're gonna use it to all these tactics because it's like it's my will versus yours and i will use anything to subvert and to have my will and my goals forward in that direction. And if it comes to lying, deception, whatever it might be, it's just like they don't have that moral or ethical guidelines to be able to stop them. You know what I mean? And it's like when you yes. don't have that, it just anything goes. That's perfect for the CIA, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what you can see why this stuff's really good for those purposes. Yeah. Especially these kinds of you know, entities that are involved in black ops and that kind of stuff. Well, when it comes to deception also, have you read um, by Smedley Butler, uh, War is a Racket on that as well? I've not read the book, no. I'm, I'm familiar with just, you know, what happened with him and his, you know, background and all that and the, the coup they were going to do, but I've not read the book. It's good, but it, it's it's still kind of practically on, on that same line that you already know of the, the big military industrial complex, and that's really right. what war is for, is just for a massive profit and all that but it's it's a it's a good read and like i know it's gonna it's stuff that you kind of already know but from that perspective of military and how 
they were, like you said, they were trying to prop him up. And a lot of the times you still see that to this day and age of just like, Hey, we have this, uh, medal of honor high, like yeah. recipient or something, and they're going to prop him up and use him as like a propaganda piece. But surprisingly he kind of realized wh- how he was about to be used. But even this day and age, people don't understand that, that it's still happening to today and they've already d- attempted in the past. So it's like, like people just don't want to kind of see it. And it, it's tough sometimes, like, cause it's like being in the military and people, you have this perception of what you think you're going into, you know, like kind of right. we discussed earlier of like, Hey, I want to join to serve my country and like, you know, like fight for freedoms. But in reality, it's like, you're just a tool being used by the military industrial complex for this endless war to have this continuous revolution. You know what I mean? Even funny enough, talking about father Sarah from Rose where nihilism, that's all it is. It's a continuous revolution until, you know, it just keeps on going until the destruction. Of well, that's the why the, the that's why the neocon philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that we could say that the neocon attitude is pretty much what still dominates. And that's pretty much, you know, the, the operating system that the system still runs on. You know, I mean, Hillary, Hillary was basically neocon, you know, even when Obama's basically neocon too. Uh, and that whole philosophy is Trotskyite, right? So Trotsky yeah. philosophy is a perpetual revolution, never-ending revolution. That means never-ending war. So that's where that comes from. And all the people that ran corporation that devised this whole strategy, they were all a bunch of uh, Trotskyite neocons, right? Herman Kahn, Volstetter, all those guys. That's where all that comes from, right? It's, it's literally designed out of, uh, you know, rank corporation, uh, military-industrial complex strategies. But you're right that it goes back to what Butler was writing about because that backs up Quigley. I mean, Smelly Butler's basically saying what Quigley said. Like, the only difference is that Quigley's not a conspiracy. You know, he's not saying it's a, it's a corrupt entity. He's saying, no, this is just the way it is, and it's good. He's an apologist. Yeah, and a lot of people kind of miss out on that, and, and it's hard because it's like, like I care about like the the dudes that are in and, and it's hard to kind of give them that perspective of look, bro. Like I know it sounds like a conspiracy, but if you kind of follow like the track and you kind of look at it historically wise and the most easiest of like, hey, just follow the money. Like you kind of lead to like yeah. a lot of these similar conclusions. And I guess that's the hard part of trying to like, I guess, from our perspective at DD and then with PBF as well, it's just like, Hey, look, like it's, we're going off mainline, even just uh, documentaries, books and things that have been out there and things that have been declassified, like even just your CIA one that you did like a few, uh, I think it might've been last week, but they were uh, the one with Charles Heston with their CIA were openly, they were saying, it's like, yeah, we do all these things in other countries, but we, we don't tell like people in government, we tell them just enough, but so they can't honestly, like, so they can openly deny and be like, yeah, I had no clue this stuff was happening, but it's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, if they're doing it overseas, they're doing it here. And it's like, it's blatantly obvious, but that's the hard part of trying to get somebody. I was was surprised how much was admitted in that, that uh, you know, mainline TV show with with Charlton Heston. That was that kind of surprised me what was in there. I've been watching a bunch more of those too. There's there's a lot of little nuggets uh, in uh, whatever that show was. But you know, the same thing. You know, you're talking about lamenting. Uh, you know, young guys. I had the same experience that you guys are talking about in terms of kind of what you think these institutions are when you go into them and then you come out of it and it's like it wasn't at all what i thought it was with academia right so when i went into academia i thought oh uh, you know i want to be a professor it's going to be great because 
you know, it operates on the, uh, you know, merit system. And if you're really smart and if you're really good at, you know, making your case and writing your papers and being a good teacher, you know, oh, you're going to, you know, cream rise to the top, all this nonsense. And that's not at all how the education system is. Like it's, it's a giant racket as well. It's a giant uh, brainwashing cult. And I think now everybody can see that with how bad education has got with all the, you know, purple hair, social justice, woke nonsense. I mean, it's just insane now at a lot of universities, maybe not everyone. I know there's still a few universities are not that crazy, but I mean, I was, when I was at the regular state university in the 2000s it was already pretty bad and it was you could tell it like the writing was on the wall you know like it was like this is definitely going to continue it's going to get crazier and crazier they're going to keep pushing more and more nonsense and they're not going to let people in other words they vet you that's what i'm trying to say Mm, so if you're not on board with the total woke agenda they don't want you having a phd Mm -hmm. right and I, i remember telling people this in like the late 2000s and people thought i was crazy They're, oh you're just being a dick it's your problem no you're the problem you're the dude and i'm like it's not me i'm telling you it's like these people are these professors are literally insane they're like the most degenerate just scumbag people and no uh, it's you you're the problem and i'm like no, no you. it's not me <laughs> it's them. I'm I'm not like, reverse. You know, yeah. I mean, I got a million. I got a million stories of these just horrible professors. I it's mean, the same thing in the military. And I remember yeah. I had boys back in the day would tell me the same thing. They're like, "Bro, just get your certs, get your education, and get out." They seen the right, and I was like, "Nah, it's gonna be okay." And it was the same thing. Like it started getting more progressive, more diversity, and all this stuff. And even just like my last year, it was so like, uh, with the whole thing with the JV jobs was just like, "No, just shut up." take it and or yeah. get out and a, a lot of people were kind of forced up against the wall and like it, it woke up a lot of people you know what i mean because there was an obvious yeah. like push to that which you know i'm kind of grateful for that because it it kind of helped push me into i already knew i was like okay yeah my time's here's done bro but even not just that the obvious like marxism and like the, the yeah. and some people really missed out on it but when you have like higher ups from enlisted to officers that are like don't even realize the things that they are saying and they're just repeating the same propaganda that is just being pushed out through mainstream media that is just like look bro like how about you actually look at it objectively and look at what things are but instead it's just like no we're going to repeat all these points and if you don't like it then you're part of the problem and then if you raise any questions then you're kind of blackballed you know what i mean and that's kind of what happened to me in my last place yeah, they, that's how academia is the same way. Yeah. Military is the same way. And it's just like uh, at a certain level, like you rank up by doing like tests and stuff. But to go to the chief level, which is like E7, uh, I don't know how familiar you are with like rank structure, but uh, you do a test, but then you're also selected. So you you do like a whole board and everything. And then like they're, they're uh, vetting people. Yeah. They're vetting so people. they're vetting people. And if you're not drinking the juice, then it's like, bro, you're not going to make it. And I've. I know people who are at that level that they were just like, bro, like I'm honestly embarrassed, like of like the type of people that how quickly everyone just like lockstep, you know what I mean? We're just like, oh, that's what we're doing. Well, that's what we're doing. But deep down inside, they knew it wasn't true. And I'm like, bro, then why are you going with it, dog? Like, where where are you going to draw that line? Like, you've already sacrificed this much. You've already given in this much. Like, I pray that they repent and that they turn away and they kind of realize it, but it's kind of going back to even just 
what Alexander Solzhenitsyn was saying. He's like, hey, yeah, I knew all these things. And if I would have just done one little thing, like, it's my fault that things got this bad, you know? There's a lot of cowardice. Like, I mean, a yeah. lot of people are cowards and they're scared of um, anybody, you know, saying a mean thing about them. It's just amazing how weak people are. Like, <laughs> they want to be, they want everybody to like them. Yeah. That's what motivates them. You That's know? not totally... very Christ like saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Christ, Christ, yeah. Christ was nice to everyone. Oh, was he? Oh, you right. den of vipers, <laughs> you empty yeah. tombstones. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's just like uh, there's a Jesus in my head that's the Jesus that's nice, and he's like a hippie dude, and that's the real Jesus, and that's the one I fought. It's like no, that's the one you made up in your head, dude. Yeah, and it's it's honestly like kind of sad that it's just like, bro, like you say you're about freedoms while he's coming back to the military stuff. It's just like, but you were so easy to just stomp on everyone, and that wasn't like going with it. But yeah, like this whole buddy thing is just like, no, there's there's you can still be objective and be loving and still correct someone like well you know what's interesting you know when you're talking about some of these things with academia and then the military because again you know michael aquino he's a guy that went on to get his phd he was a college professor and yep. you know it's another one of those things that people push him or you know they say about him just oh look and like even there was one of the quotes that i heard about him is why do you trust a guy who's an open satanist well, he's not a homosexual or a druggie, and he's open about this, you know. And here's a guy who was part of the, and I don't know, like, I'm curious, Jay, that whole satanic panic type thing, because I dove into a lot of research on the stuff that went on, like Presidio, and a lot of things like that. Like, what's your perspective on the so-called satanic panic? That's a good question. Uh, actually, somebody brought this up the other day, and I was thinking how it'd be good to comment on this because I think it's a little more complex than, you know, I'm not saying you're saying this, but a lot of people think of it like, oh, it was either uh, nothing going on or, you know, I think that there was layers to this. So, for example, one of the books that came out uh, is called Michelle Remembers, and that was one of the early books that helped kick off the satanic panic. And I think that she was uh, exaggerating her story it was pretty extreme and she put a lot of things in the book that were kind of just kooky and ridiculous but it kicked off uh this panic and i think that in the you know a lot of this panic was driven by not just the media and geraldo and this book but it was also driven by kind of goofy evangelicals right so that's a component to it which you know evangelicals at times will have this kind of overly um what's the word i'm looking for they'll, they'll just be kind of superstitious about stuff right like i get this even still where it's like people you know oh you uh you know you use this symbol uh in your in your thumbnail so you're secretly a satanist right so there's this element of like idiot evangelicals that will obsess over these kinds of things and, and there's no nuance or there's no like a paranoia no, no, no understanding to the to, that the the symbols have multiple what's called polyvalence, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. they have different contexts, different meanings in different contexts. So part of it is that, uh, but there actually were cases of actual satanic ritual abuse, and you know this has come out over over time. The declassified uh, declassified things about the finders, for example, mm -hmm. um, that was going well, on. You know, You've got 
Would you talk about that a little bit too? Because I don't know. I don't know that everybody knows about the Finders Colt. Can you give a quick background of that? Uh, this was a basically a CIA-run cult that was involved in trafficking and mind control. Um, it had this weird New Age flavor to it, um, and it eventually got sort of broken, uh, busted up. I can't remember who was the first to expose it. I remember there's uh, there's a chapter on it in uh, Dave McGowan's book on uh, Program to Kill, but um, it tied into a lot of uh, stuff adjacent to the Franklin scandal, which is out of Nebraska, you had these high-level GOP people that were engaged in uh, a, a lot of uh, high-level lobbyists and people like that that were uh, funneling money and, and uh, trafficking kids, and it involved satanic rituals with Larry King, who was like this black GOP dude out of Nebraska. Um, and that's been written about in multiple books uh, by Nick Bryant. And uh, Was that like, uh, was Boys Town in Nebraska part of that too? Yes, but Boys Town yeah. was part yeah. of the where they would get the boys. Yeah. Yeah, and that yeah. was the, the local Catholic uh, Novus Ordo priest who was funneling the kids from Boys Town to these parties. Uh, by the way, same model that if you notice in the recent uh, German satanic scandals of the Roman Catholic Church where the nuns were taking um, kids from the orphanages to be raped by the German business elite. Have you seen that one? No, that's kind of a new one to me. Yeah, no, that look like that recent? up. Yeah, that's like, uh, yeah. well... I don't know how and the, the abuse had been going on. I think for a long yeah, time, yeah. but it came out in uh, German uh, media, and then it, it went everywhere else in the media uh, within the last year. So that's a famous that's crazy case. too, because you had like the East Germany thing too, where they were taking orphans, kids, and putting them in with child known child molesters. Like yes. Germany, is so Stand whack. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I mean, even but, like the whole uh, finders thing, like people aren't like it's on it's been declassified in the FBI vault. Yeah. We made a post about it the other day and people are like, no, bro, you're crazy. And I'm like, it's literally been declassified. And it's it in the open. You can look through all the what, notes last year, yeah, two years ago. Yeah, two, yeah last yeah. year. Yeah, exactly. um, but the but the funny thing is that uh, even though it was just declassified, like a bunch of people were writing about that for like 20 years. I mean, it's, it's it was a well-known thing. Um, well, it wasn't one of those types of things where it's like, oh, but that's a conspiracy theory. You know, like everything, right? Like, let's come at it. Let's hit it really hard. Let's say that this is all a lie. It's all a conspiracy theory. And then once you've got people accepting in their minds that, oh, this can't be real, we'll go ahead and put the truth out there. And then, you know, it's that distorted reality that they create for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's... Uh it's, it's they do that that's a technique too where you you know it's like the, they do the same thing with oh bilderberg doesn't exist and then it's like oh okay yeah it exists but it's a good thing right and why are you why do you hate <laughs> oh. and here's why it's a good thing <laughs> yeah right yeah like liberal yeah. article titles right mm -hmm. um but yeah so the finders is one i mean and and there's just so many of these that end up popping up like i can't even keep up with with all these different groups and circles you'll you'll lose your you know there's just so many cases of this like the 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 scope the scope of it's kind of hard to believe and how they were doing all this stuff um but th those are the famous cases from like the 70s and 80s of the franklin and the, and the finders and there's usually some kind of ritual element to it and to get back to the satanic panic so so you're correct like there's there's these real elements that are going on i went actually pretty deep into some of the serial killers 
because that actually ties into the satanic panic because if you remember a lot of the, the serial killers of the 70s and 80s it would come out in the media that they had these you know satanic connections right most famous would be richard ramirez who was openly a satanist um and then he, and he had this uh military relative i think it was his uncle who uh supposedly i think he was like a green beret or something like that but he got he's the one that got richard into satanism and richard actually went and met levey at one point um yeah it's a, it's a, he tells the story about it um but that was part of the satanic panic and then uh kicking it off i mean getting it getting it going and then Geraldo, interestingly, he did a that show, uh, series on Satanism, and this was one of the key catalysts. I think Oprah did too, but Geraldo's series that he did on the Satanic Panic, I think you can go watch these on YouTube. I, I watched them years ago. Yeah, Kino's on there. Uh, yeah, on Kino's that, on, on there. Board. And, yep. And he does he does one on Bobby Berdella, the, the serial killer. Oh yeah. And it turns out turns out Bobby Berdella actually was a Satanist, and he had basically had his own little Satanic cult. Um, and he was, you know, basically doing BDSM and killing people. Yeah, yeah Bob's Bizarre <laughs> so Bizarre. Like, hey, say what? No, he had a he had a story that was called Bob's Bizarre Bizarre. Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, but 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 it came out too that he had his own little like Satan cult, right? So he was the head of it, and there was like five people, right? So it wasn't like a huge underground thing, but um, it tied into all the you know just the weird. Uh, the underground BDSM stuff that was going on. And anyway, long story short is that, that he actually was into that stuff, right? <laughs> so so Geraldo's documentary, you know, kind of made it, it sensationalized it, but there's actually, in many of these cases, it was true, right? Well, So then you have these people coming out with claiming that uh, they had been abused and they were getting this from their repressed memories and they were doing like regression hypnotherapy and all that which i think is a little dubious yeah but that doesn't mean that it wasn't happening because there was also the mcmartin preschool trial which if you look at that it's pretty wild i think that was definitely something going on and when they declassified that information that you're talking about the finders they also declassified that there actually were tunnels underneath the mcmartin preschool and that's relevant because for so many years mainstream media had said that 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 was not true. It was all made up. Well, wasn't it the same thing in the Presidio case that there was like another building Correct. next to there that had underground tunnels? And ironically enough, it was not the actual like place where they were kidnapping uh, the kids from. It was that next door building that got shut down. Well, it was there was yeah. an old like bunker or something. Yeah, from yeah. World War Two, and it was behind the Intel building where Michael mm-hmm. Aquino worked. And they had a bunch of like scrawlings on the wall in there too, as well. And something like with the Prince of Darkness, if I recall. And, you know, and to go along with that Presidio case as well, you know, there were Michael Aquino claimed that during the time that he was supposed to have been molesting the children, that he was in Washington, D.C. And then he later, you know, he said like, oh, well, it was proven, you know, that, you know, like I was in D.C. So they, they, no, 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 no. The, San Francisco police said that there's no, we don't have enough evidence that says that he was actually here, but we can't prove that he was actually here molesting kids as well. But during that time, four kids came down with chlamydia at the Letterman Hospital in San Francisco. Mm. And there was anywhere from 60 to 100 kids where there was valid information that children were, were molested. Now, on top of that, some of the interesting aspects of that whole thing 
was that the daycare at the Presidio on, I think it was the fall equinox or fall, whatever, uh, September 20th, September 22nd, whatever, that building burned down. There was $500,000 worth of damage to that building. And then the classroom of one of the guys who was actually at the daycare center, that also burned down. And both of those were arsons, but they never actually pinned the arson on anyone. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, similar stuff in... uh... There was another case I was trying to think of that where, where there was a similar pattern. Oh, speaking of the, the when this was all popping off in the eighties, the reliance on the memories of the kids, right? So, like in the McMartin trial, you know, you had all of these kids basically describing commonalities, which is really bizarre for like you know three, four, five year olds to be describing the same people mm-hmm. and rituals, right? Because they were saying, oh, well, these kids have just sort of imagined this. Is the false and memory this, syndrome foundation? This yeah, I was going to talk about Martin Orne and the false memory syndrome, and that was actually set up. That was a CIA-aided thing to set up to disprove all of the claims of the kids. And that, oh, you're just having false memories. But it turned out that they were a bunch of creeps and 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 weirdos too. The people that were running the, the Martin Orne was like yeah, like he himself had been like uh, accused that is he was like molesting his own daughter, and then him and his wife were part of the board, and other board members were part of like uh, professors that were part of MK Ultra, like low key on Correct. that uh, monarch yep. as well. And a, a lot of other people that have a lot of connections to these other bigger groups as well. So, yeah, it's kind of yeah, funny. This, it's like, <laughs> let me create this whole yeah. foundation to cover me up. <laughs> yeah, so I think that that's when we look at it from that angle, like now think about today. Dude, I mean, there's like now tons of people. I mean, I don't want to over exaggerate it, but like so aren't there giant groups of people now that uh, are openly calling for satanism and uh pedo stuff to be legal well and, yeah. and you know too, so so so, they... now, so now so why is it so wait a minute they're all openly doing it but if you talked about this as a thing in the 80s and 90s as a conspiracy theory right yeah and they, and they also laid the groundwork too almost like these people like michael aquino was a martyr you know what i mean because it was just the the big bad christians and the fbi they say it was the christian right wingers after him yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and this guy was this guy who will admittedly lie to you to your face yeah. right. is a martyr, but that's the that's such <laughs> the inversion of the world too as well. But you yeah. know, it, it it's kind of crazy too because when you look at like the whole concept of Project Monarch too as well, the concept of you're trying to take a cocoon, uh, a, a young child, and then form it, which sounds like maybe what happened with Richard Ramirez, but it it yeah. sounds to me like that's especially with michael aquino's involvement in vietnam like he was actively like monarchy you know like he was in the act of it with his wife doing this because the amount of information that they had on the aquino place you know you know that's one of the interesting pieces on that uh, the whole aquino thing when they showed up there they brought the girl there in the neighborhood and she actually led them to the house where aquino lived and what was interesting is Aquino owned the house and then the house next to it, but they only searched the apartment on the top floor. They didn't search anything else, nor did they even search the building next door. And so there's potential for information here that wasn't even included. 
And some of the prosecution didn't move forward as well because, you know, like one of the kids that was molested was two years old and he couldn't testify. Well, big surprise, a two-year-old's not going to be able to testify. But they make things almost so bizarre sounding, you know, like the, the whole activity of it, because there were um, one of the girls described it as that they were cross-dressing where uh, Aquino and his wife, Aquino was dressing up in women's outfits and then his wife was dressing up in men's outfits as part of the ritual. Yeah, this is to cloak it, right? To, so that if anybody talked about it, it sounds ridiculous, right? I mean, it does sound ridiculous today because that's... You see <laughs> so, it you know every day. <laughs> yeah, right? But but at that time, right, it was like, oh, what? You know, and, and then, you know, wearing like, uh, oh, they, they molested me wearing Mickey Mouse suits or something like that, right? Yeah, that's like a whole yeah, Freddy thing until, nowadays. I, I think yeah. And also, are you, you're familiar with uh, Paul Bonacci and all the stuff he said, right? I'm not. Yeah, me neither. So he's the he's the one that was uh, um, uh, implicated in the. He's one of the young boys that was involved in all this. I mean, this is known, and he was implicated in the Johnny Gosh situation in terms okay. of all the Frank, Johnny Franklin Gosh. cover up. Well, you can watch unless they pull it off of YouTube, but you can watch the um, like the lawyers getting the statements from uh, Bonacci. Yeah, I just and found it here on YouTube. He the talks FA about Ultra Franklin scandal deposition. Yes. Paul Bonacci. So okay. Bonacci talks about Aquino and he's like, yeah, they like he was involved. He was the one doing this to us. So that's a, that's another. Now, I mean, that's his claim. Right. I mean, I'm not saying it's true because he said it, but yeah, uh, like he, he, he is a known Franklin person and he's saying that, oh, yeah, uh, Aquino's involved in this. Didn't they also well, do a raid on Aquino? But I can't remember what came yeah, out of what they found in his house. Like they found tapes of like some really weird occult well, stuff, had, but nothing ever came out of it neither. If I remember. They, well, that, that was the thing, too, because you stepped away for a bit. And um, mm -hmm. what I what I had mentioned then was that they only searched the top floor, which was the apartment that he and his life, wife, their residence, if you will. But there was other apartments below. It was like a three, four floor house. And then yeah, they yeah. also the house next door to it that they never searched as well. You know, they, they uncovered things too. It's funny. Like when I was reading some of these things as well, well, when they found Disney um, videotapes and it was like, well, yeah. In, in, in the occult world, they always like to say that, you know, there's this hidden child of Michael and Lilith, well, his wife's Lilith, uh, oddly enough. Um, but that well why wouldn't they have this but there's never been a kid proven to be around so that the excuse was like they had this kid that they were trying to keep from out of you know the 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 eye of society and everything like that keep him undercover and so that was the reason why of course they had disney movies for this the kid to watch when in fact there's probably something else going on gotcha it's insane man it's it's insane and it was the same with the McMartin's uh, story too, with the the weird Disney stuff and the plates that they found, you know, underneath the house and all that. Talk about that. Uh, I'm I'm not fully familiar with that. Well, they do they bulldozed it, and they found um, you know pentagrams that have been drawn on on plates. Um, they had, but but there was also like. Disney paraphernalia and that kind of stuff when they were uh, dozing the ground where the underneath the McMartin preschool where the where the tunnels ended up actually being. <laughs> so, yeah. In other yeah, words, it, why why would there be these things? You know, 
when you do- bulldoze this place, which is supposedly all good, nothing wrong with it, right? Why would there be in the in the ground, you know, plates with pentagrams drawn on them? Well, obviously, and, it's and, just and very Disney innocent. Stuff. <laughs> it's it's very mean, innocent. Why, why are you Christians picking on these poor Satanists? Yeah, Disney has its own tunnel system as well. Like it's intense. Like our uh, brother-in-law, bro. he was doing, uh, he was DJing over there in LA. And he would tell me, he's like, yeah, bro, like there's underground tunnels that just like, it's a whole nother system. It's like a whole nother town and city. And it's like, so if all this stuff is kind of interconnected and stuff that most people wouldn't know about, you know what I mean? He was telling me, he's like, yeah, like we just drive underneath, we show up to wherever. And just like, that's how celebrities get around in Disneyland as well. And I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, yeah, like, you want low key stuff? They just use those systems. Yeah, nothing sauce about that at all. It's all yeah, definitely not. <laughs> there was an article many, I was trying. To... Go ahead. I was just going to say, how many child molesters end up working for Disney, like at all levels too? Because I remember something, maybe five years ago, six years ago, where it was a guy who was a senior VP for uh, one of the Disney. I think it was even like the the studios or something like that where he was in meetings and he was talking to an FBI agent or something like that. And he thought it was like a 12 year old girl, you know, and it's just, it, it, it's ironic how that just keeps reappearing in so many different ways as part of this. Yeah. There's an article I have somewhere about the whole story with uh, Bonacci, but I can't find it. There's also an article you should look up. Um, that's It's pretty famous now because it's, there's not a whole lot of these, but there was a, psychologist psychiatrist guy named uh greenbaum and he gave a lecture at a big famous psychology conference it was all all these you know so-called establishment experts but he actually gave a talk in 1992 about satanic ritual abuse it's called the greenbaum speech uh you should look that up because it's it's a mainline you know psychiatrist guy basically talking about uh all the of the the stuff that we're talking about monarch he talks about um the intentional uh splitting of the pulse personalities through ritual and electroshock he talks about triggers he talks about uh, mk delta delta uh, he talks about color color magic um it, it's a, it's an important document in this whole story because a lot of people act like Oh, well, you know, if any of this was true, at some point there would have been mainline, you know, psychiatric people talking about <laughs> like there are. So what are you talking about? Um, there's another uh, thing that I'm trying to find that's a, it's a, a thing I found. Um, somebody, it's a, I think her name is Elizabeth Voss, and she wrote a really interesting uh, article on the connection between uh, Bonacci and... Um, was it Boss or Voss? I'm sorry, V or B? I'm I'm trying to find VOS, Elizabeth Voss, okay. I think. And it's an important article about Oh, the Finders. It might be that one, but is it talk about the weird creep that was grabbing the kids? And I think there's something about Bonacci in that. There's a lot here with her. Uh, I think my... it's whatever we find about uh Bonacci but uh, um Paul Bonacci. Her thing on Paul Bonacci is the one that's is what I'm what I'm trying to find. Because um, it it gets into how he was kidnapped. Um, it might be this one here at Consortium News. 
Did you ever see? Uh, anyway, if you look into her, she's she's got a lot of good stuff on this. If you look into her articles, uh, I can't. Yeah, that's something definitely we'll have to dive into on another time. Yeah, it, but it's it's related to everything we're yeah. talking about. She has good stuff on this. Did you ever hear though too where Aquino was actually um, tied potentially like and I don't know like the that Johnny Gosh his mother claimed that Michael Aquino uh, bought Johnny like somebody came to her and told her that that he was involved with that because there was implications too of Aquino. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what Bonacci says in that deposition there. See, that's interesting too because his mom said that that and she'd been contacted separately and there was even things at west point you know the military academy for the army yeah. where kids were molested around the same time like and what are what what are just the chances of these kids randomly saying that stuff i mean and then to see all these levels of the franklin schools and <laughs> but again you 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 go out there you make sure that the rituals and things that are occurring you take it so over the top so that when the kids talk about it, this can't be true. And that way it can just easily be discounted. Yeah. And they also, you know, basically give give kids ketamine, LSD and all kinds of drugs. So that's also why it sounds crazy. Well, because there was a recent incident, too. And I can't. There was a guy out in. Utah. Um, David Hamblin or something like that. Who was part of the LDS Church? A Mormon. Oh, you took the recent Mormon SRA. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. Another one. Is, another one. This is this is a guy that was he was a he's a psychologist and he was a counselor and he was counseling like guys on their homosexual tendencies and what he would say and there hey if your kids are listening right now prepare because like he would he would use his semen, which was righteous semen, to help cure these men of their homosexuality. But he was engaged in Whoa. using uh, mescaline, peyote, ayahuasca, and things like that to help uh, cure various different things with all these different Mormon people. He was molesting his daughters, and that's all come out very clearly, like this has been proven. And he was also just with his wife, abusing men as well like it was just whatever sexually could go on and this is very recent this is like 2022 and he was just released on bail in like march or april of 2023 the system works brother <laughs> and 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 i guess at this point too we'll have to be sympathetic for him because he probably engaged in this satanism as a reaction to the christians that were treating him poorly or something he was being persecuted by the right-wingers yeah 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 yeah. as much as the mormons get persecuted by the right-wingers although i think they did in that in in that yeah in that like um you know basic criminology too that you know people that are that get busted and caught with these things so suddenly it's like oh I, I it's not my fault right i'm being persecuted there the systems like every criminal does this right yeah man uh i've never done anything wrong it ain't my fault you know that we were just yeah. watching a bunch of old movies where like the villains are all doing this and i'm like this is you know basic criminology doesn't everybody know that like so it's like, well, uh, you know, it's not bad because it's not my fault because, you know, there's a, and it's weird because the same people who, on the one hand, are like, you know, the, the so, supposed to satanic philosophy of, oh, take, uh, you know, 
take responsibility for yourself and you, you, you determine your destiny. You're the captain of your destiny, all this stuff. And then it's like, it's not my fault. Like the system made me what I am. <laughs> it's like, I thought you were oh, supposed to take the responsibility, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's, I guess, part of the uh, idiocracy too, as well. It makes it easy that people don't even realize that, right? You know, uh, they have no, they can't fundamentally see how these things are being done. Like they know it on one level, but they, when they look at it, they can't see it for what it is. It's, it's cognitive yeah. dissonance of just like, yeah. hey, accept responsibility when it's good, except when it's not. You know what I mean? Exactly. Shift, shift <laughs> exactly. all blame and then just build a whole, like, use all these programs of false memories. Nah, man, it's not what you think it is. Like, it's completely false. Like, you're remembering it wrong. So it's just you start gaslighting everyone around you. It is a gaslighting, yeah. It's the same. It's just mm -hmm. like with Bilderberg doesn't exist, right? And you're crazy. Bilderberg exists, and so what? Bilderberg exists and it's a good thing and you're a bigot if you hate it. Yeah. And yeah. that was like going down that rabbit hole too of just like, okay, military industrial complex and then connected the money wise. Okay, who's funding it? Oh, it's going back to the banks. But then it's like the Fed res. And then it's like, well, who owns the Fed res? And it's like, well, these groups don't exist, but these people kind of got together on Shekel Island. And but it never happened. <laughs> but it, yeah. <laughs> it's so insane. And it's just like, look, it's clearly are there. Like, what? Am I going? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Well, why does I mean, you know, when I first heard that um, John C. Lilly says that he was, you know, testing LSD on kids, I didn't believe that. I was like, what? That sounds crazy. And then you get his unreadable, crazy book, and he's like, yeah, he, he, he was testing LSD on kids. And I'm like, okay, so if they're funding Alfred Kinsey to, you know, molest people, kids, and if they're funding john c Lilly to give lsd to kids like nothing like sky's the limit right nothing else is unbelievable is it yeah yeah absolutely you know and but you know and it's funny too like with with kinsey right like he's portrayed in the media as some kind of hero when the guy right. literally was molesting children he was causing orgasms in children why 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 is an adult uh, under some sex oh for science bro <laughs> yeah 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 we have yeah, to understand the both. science <laughs> trust the science bro exactly <laughs> Where, who peer reviewed that study that's what yeah <laughs> and then that oh, goes man. into another rabbit hole just like oh well we know it's good because it's peer reviewed based on this study. what study and then you actually peer, read peer it reviewed by the finders right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was having that conversation with, well not about that but it's like if you actually read the studies that it's based on, like even just like the whole thing with like the SSRIs, right? Like that came out, that was debunked. Like a peer reviewed study is like, Hey, the study that you guys used like 10 years ago, that there's a chemical imbalance in the brain, a serotonin imbalance. It's like, it's shoddy at best and they couldn't replicate it. So it's like, that's why all these things aren't working. But then if you go down the same line of like, look, Speak, well, speaking of peer, yeah, speaking of peer review fraud, yeah. this is not really, this is just a little side anecdote that you made me think of this, that yeah. somebody did a study, I don't remember, somebody on Twitter, like, went and did some kind of Spurg study where they went through all the footnotes of the new atheist, and <laughs> like, like 80 to 90% of all the footnotes, which were supposed to give it all this academic, they were just citing each other. <laughs> so basically, they're just like, their books are just padding all their shit yeah. by citing themselves. Peer review who, laundering, like that's it, that's all it is. They're, yeah, they just launder one. Who another. was that dude yeah. that uh, what he was making up a bunch of stuff for the peer review, and it was like a lot of anti-white like stuff. But he was doing it on purpose. I can't remember his name. Yeah. It was that comedian, yeah. And he exposed. There's a bunch of it, these. 
yeah he exposed that it's like look as long as you're going with the current narrative you can put whatever study you want and as long as it has the certain end thing right now it's gonna get approved like it's insane yeah yeah I've started not- when when I was in academia, right? Like, you know, I started noticing a lot of that fraud. And I was talking about, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to take credit. Like, not like I was the first person saying this, but like in, in academia, you can see how it works and how much deception and bullshit it is. And, you know, in the 2000s, if you talked about that, people say you're crazy. But then, you know, eventually it starts coming out. And then The Lancet does its, this whole uh, Chatham House publication where they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, 50% of scientific literature is fraudulent. That's like yep. the most prominent <laughs> journal, the most prominent medical science journal in the world says it's all fifty percent of it's fake. Well, I think the 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 best too, and I know you've done some podcasts with James Lindsay, but him that goes him, Helen Pluckrose, and then Peter Bogosian. They did that grievance studies, and like they were doing things yes. based on like the 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 dog rape at um, dog parks, and like yeah. These were <laughs> accepted into the academia and they won awards with the 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 outlandish things they came with. And these are all leftists too. Well, I don't even know where uh they sit now at times, right? Because James Lindsay, he's in a kind of a weird place. He he because he seems to be a, a Trump supporter now. Well, he's really yeah, and really wedded to classical liberalism. So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, you know, that's that's a I I I, I used to try to tell people I was a classical liberal, and now I tell people I'm a traditionalist because I don't think classical liberalism is willing to account for the metaphysical reality. And, you know, it seems like James Lindsay, James Lindsay is kind of flirting with that at times. And you see that with a lot of people who call themselves atheist, agnostics, whatever, yes. where they're, especially they're like, something dark is happening here, and I can't account for it in the material reality. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, classical liberalism is posited on basically anti-metaphysics i mean it comes out of the whole you know enlightenment ethos of of denying metaphysics with kant and hume and and Locke. so you know at a certain point i think in people's intellectual ideological and ultimately spiritual journey where you have to kind of choose at a fork in the road right like how are you going to account for all this all what the, the forces of the market you know what I mean? Like, like, all, so, I mean, come on, right. There's obviously something nasty and spiritual going on with all the insane BS that, you know, is happening in the world. It's, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. it's, you can't account for it by freaking, you know, Adam Smith's uh, market forces stuff. Have you seen Aman Jabi at all? Do you know who that guy is? He was a Silicon Valley guy. I don't know who that is. Huh? He, he he lives like in Montana now, like he worked for Sun Microsystems at one point, but he's done a lot of stuff talking about the technology and how it's being used and everything like that. But this is a guy who grew up in India, came over here, went to Stanford, worked for a lot of the Silicon Valley biggies. Like they even wanted him to work for Snapchat at one point. But now he lives up in northern Montana and um, <laughs> renounced his citizenship, too, at this point. I'm not ca- ca- I mean, he's a really smart guy, but he's. um. He even said uh, that he is now recognizing as a person that's an atheist, he grew up as a Sikh and he moved away from that. But like, there's something going on here. He hasn't completely crossed over into accepting that, but it's funny Mm -hmm. to me. And that's sort of like why I came to orthodoxy, my quest for truth, you know, like as I found some of the things that you had proposed and you were showing again, 
tragedy and hope. But then you start exploring a lot of these other things. Then you find out too, what's the truth? The logos, you know, what is who, who, not just what, but who is the logos, you know? And that's, that's a whole other paradigm. Once you can accept that, then it's like, it makes it so much easier to see the madness around you and just be like, oh, well, that's kind of expected, you know, like <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you've rejected God. So this is what happens. Yeah. 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 I think that more and more it's, it's really hard to deny the reality of evil. And when we see evil, like, you know, the natural conclusion is, well, there's gotta be good. Right. I right. don't mean that in I don't even mean that like a Manichaean Gnostic sense, like they're both yeah. equivalent forces. I mean, evil is a, a negation and a privation of the good. So it doesn't it doesn't yeah. have ontological being, but it does have reality in the sense of it being an actual, you know, there there is good and there is evil. And when people start to realize that, I think that you know it it forces you to re-examine your paradigm. And for a lot of people it is difficult, like it is hard to um, have your paradigm crushed, right? But oh yeah, I mean, it, it's also good to go through, though, right? Like for me, you know, one of the reasons I didn't ever go in the military was in two thousand three when I started looking into, you know, the Big Nine event. So you know that 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 was the first thing that really interested me in big scale geopolitics. And I mean, I wasn't very sophisticated. I was like, I don't know, twenty two something like that somewhere somewhere in that age age range uh but it, but it did start you know i started thinking well like what, what so if this is muslims doing this like why why do they want to destroy the world trade tower <laughs> like what like what why is why is this happening what does it mean and i was raised normie gop you know military family so i just was like yeah bush is a good guy right isn't he a christian and that got me like that got me and then and then i heard about skull and bones and so, you know, if you want a classic intelligence, you know, occult society overlap, like the the classic one is Skull and Bones. So I remember hearing about this and it, it would come out at the time because if you remember, Bush and Kerry were running and they were both Skull mm -hmm. and Bones. Yeah. And I yeah. remember that was in the, it was even in the news. They were talking about it. I'm like, what the heck is Skull and Bones? What does that mean? <laughs> so I got that Anthony Sutton book on Skull and Bones and I started reading that. And I'm like, oh, this is that same conspiracy stuff I've been looking at, like. Oh, so they're part of the same intelligence. And this is where the OSS and the CIA come out of. They come out. And so it's like, wait a minute. So if the, you know, old school WASP networks are where we're getting skull, where we're getting CIA from, and that's the, you know, Yale, Harvard, Eastern Seaboard elite, like, I come on, obviously these people, these, they don't have my best interest, right? Why, why would I think that these people have my best interest? And then you learn about like the ritual that they go to go through where yeah. they, you know, where they're getting pissed on and, you know, rolling in mud and confessing their sins while they jerk off in a coffin. I mean, just what the heck is this? Right. Like, how, yeah. how are these people interested in it? <laughs> these people seem nuts. So, that, I mean, let's not forget skull and bones is what I'm trying to say. Right. This is a classic. example. <laughs> well, and, and then, you know, how many all of our institutions our elite schools and everything like that like these people go through these this is the that's the 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 breeding grounds for them like let's figure out if we can allow them to move up you know the the idea like it's not that you can't at a certain level move up but you're only going to reach so many levels sort of like even with the masons the way they do it right you know like 
you can become a Mason betting, yeah. but, until you prove yourself to us that like you're willing to compromise yourself. You may only progress so far. And that's the same way our society is, but it's, it's blood too, as well. You know, obviously like the Bushes, right. you know, like they, they, come on, Jeb Bush, low energy Jeb, please clap. <laughs> like that guy, that guy wouldn't be there if he wasn't for Prescott, you know, like, you, 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 your family established something for you. And I think it is, it's funny to see though, the, um, the fakeness, you know, like it's so much of the, 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 the media, the world is a stage for these people. I, I mean, honestly, like I couldn't imagine living their life and having to go out day in and day out and lie the way they have to. Isn't that That's weird? Awesome. Remember, remember when Hillary came to the South back when she was running? <laughs> Y'all want was, some hot sauce? Hey, y'all. I got hot chilling. sauce in my purse all the time. We're just like, chilling what? in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> uh, and people believe yeah. that stuff too. I mean, it, but that's what's that's what's so scary, and that's what's hard sometimes because you can see, you know, how easy it works, and you just like, okay, I got to resist doing that because it's so easy to manipulate people if I want to. Because you can see the framework for it. You see the matrix for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right yeah, on, man. Go, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, just trying to think of more examples of, you know, the overlap between um, <clears throat> the occult. I mean, we, we've forgotten the, the classic example of Crowley himself because Crowley was uh, British was intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. He was a British well, intelligence what... asset who was basically they would kind of use him off and on for various things. And so in world war one, he was, he was used to do agitprop. So he would go out there and do like, you know, anti-German agitprop stuff for the Brits. And then he was used by, uh, who was it? The, um, Dennis Wheatley, who was the uh, British intelligence, uh, a handler guy who was, uh, he wrote the occult uh, uh, spy fiction novels, like the one, the, the movie uh, that has Christopher Lee in it. It's worth watching because the the villain in that, <clears throat> Mokata, he's actually uh, based on Crowley. Um, Devil Rides Out. That's it. If you watch that movie with Christopher Lee, you'll notice that the it's and that's actually about a satanic cult, like mind controlling young women, right? So <laughs> I recommend watching that because. This gives you an insight into like the, op the, the the modus operandi of British British intelligence as well, because uh, Wheatley is the one together with Maxwell Knight, who they were they they loved Crowley. They thought he was so cool, um, and Maxwell Knight is part of the reason why uh, Bond's handlers M. It's also uh, Mansfield Cummings because he would write C <laughs> as his signature, just like John D had the signature of 007. Cummings would write C. And then when Fleming wrote the uh, Bond stuff, he combined that with Maxwell Knight, who's hence the M. Um, but they were, again, they're, they're all buddies with Crowley. Now, Ian Fleming didn't know Crowley. He never met him, but uh, he knew about him because of this sort of, you know, rumor and this the, the, the press of him being the wickedest man in the world and being the beast and all this stuff. But, but Crowley was, uh, as, as you said, you know, closer to a lot of these other British intelligence guys who were using him and they used him to, to do the go between with, um, you know, the Nazis to get what the, what's his face to fly into Scotland and all that. So point being is that, you know, that Crowley's another classic example of the overlap of intelligence and the occult. Weren't some of the, um, the, 
the neo-Marxist or, you know, the, the guys from the Frankfurt school, weren't mm -hmm. they like, going down also to Italy where some of the stuff where Crowley was uh, molesting kids, I thought like they were. The Abbey of Thelema. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm trying to think. I, I can't remember if I've I read of in, in the uh, Frankfurt school guys doing that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I thought it's like Marcuse and, and and some of the other ones. I thought they were there. but you know, this is this is one of those things I'm digging in my brain here. It just came to me. Oh, and, I mean, yeah, that's that sounds right. I just don't remember. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, don't quote me on it, please. Uh, descendants of Crowley, don't don't sue me, uh, please. Yeah, like <laughs> I was just reading the other day in that Spence uh, book on Crowley's intelligence work that I didn't even realize that like he and. Uh, Aldous Huxley were partying all the time. Like I knew, I thought I knew they knew each other, but I didn't realize they were like. Partying I didn't know that. Together, yeah, they were. Yeah, like, I read that and, somewhere. Like, yeah. yeah, they were tripping and partying together. It was pretty wild. That is so insane. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you know what? It's like, world it's when things, it comes to that. Well, yeah. yeah, but that's the thing too. Is like when you first hear it, like it hits that insane thing on me. But then I'm like, no, 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 that makes sense. Yeah, that figures. It does okay. and I, I mean, I, I don't know that uh, Huxley was. I, I don't know that he was British intelligence, but basically everybody he's around is. So that's all the same circles. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Julian, his brother, and then there was another brother too as well, right? Um, There's It's another one. I thought he was a brother. He's not. He's like a oh. cousin or something. But oh. he was doing uh, MKUltra stuff in uh, Australia. Yeah, and, uh, look at how a, Australia is now. Like, <laughs> oh, and No, man. that's partly why. Yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't even Dude, I've been reading about MKUltra stuff for, you know, 15, yeah. 20 years. And I just, you know, last year came across that dude's kind of random small book on MKUltra in Australia. That was a whole other route. I had no idea. <laughs> Basically, like the whole Australian establishment is just wicked, dude. I mean, they've been wicked for a long time. Uh, they were doing that. they were doing insane stuff in Australia, dude, for, for MKUltra. There was that thing too that you had found where the guy had written um in the like early 2000s or 2010 or whatever where he'd written that thing about like what he was involved with like he was a lower level person involved with the government oh that's the, that's the the, uh, the state the satanist from australia yeah yeah yeah, yeah he died in uh 20 somewhere in the in the 2010s i thought he yeah. died a little bit shortly after he had came out with that right and uh, the weird, weird craziest part of that is, is like, you know, you're going to see, you know, shit go down in Australia and you'll know that I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> so, like, I've always thought, yeah, that's like, I think that dude's probably more mostly legit because he was right. And I mean, obviously you can't take every one of these occultist Satanist people at their word because they constantly lie and they'll beef up their own stories and their history. But yeah. I mean, that one seemed to come true. Like, he's like, yeah, we, we basically, you know, the, the majority of the Australian government is satanic and there's nothing you can do about it. And you're going to you're going to see the NWO clamp down on, on Australia. And, uh, you know, he wrote that in 20. I don't remember the exact date, like 28, 9, 10, 11, somewhere in there. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But by yeah. the way, like if you go looking for it, it's pretty it's, you have to use way back like you can't find the full essay like the full one it's like 20 pages and really crazy um, oh, okay I've, i haven't read the full one i've only read yeah usually usually what comes up is like the abridged yeah like few page version but the full 20 page one's really wild 
or even with like the wayback machine they've been attacking that as well to like all the stuff that has been like uh documented and saved that it's like i know within the last couple of years they've been attacking some of those servers because then it, it makes it perfect it's like we talk about all these things and they've been well documented and then you only have a bridge version so then it's just like see they're crazy it's only a three four page paper like and then it just yeah that sigh up and this is what richard said richard grove said a long time ago like just watch like the whole internet's going to be like uh, fahrenheit 451 all, all this electronic stuff can be deleted and scrubbed so he, he was actually richard was saying that in like 2010 so. well it, it, it who's that there's that crazy literally nineteen that you, writes for new york times and had been like part of buzzfeed but she or no she's washington post She's like that hit woman for the Washington Post, but like her uncle owns the archive, the internet archive. Oh, and wow. I didn't... <laughs> it, it, yeah, I can't remember her name, but she oh, was, that's she, right. She's the one that went after the woman for the uh, libs of TikTok and everything like that. And so, like, whenever there's anything that's controversial about her, she, her uncle would remove it from there because it's a they're like a multimillionaire billionaire family and everything like that. Mm -hmm. But then um, as well, like she had a direct line with Twitter. She was one of those people that was like it Kate Mayo. Oh, no, wow. no. Uh, yeah, man. Oh man. Um, cause I, cause she's the one that showed up at the libs of TikTok home. Uh, type in yeah. one arm. Yeah. I can't remember. Cause I remember I saw that as well. And I think uh, you guys were the ones who posted it, but it was talking about any connection to that. Yeah, there was a lot of things being deleted during that time. For, it was like the last two years. Like it's been like pretty. Oh, it started like Taylor Lorenz. Taylor, Taylor Lorenz. Lorenz. There you go. That's who it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, and that's totally her job is to play like, oh, they're so mean to me. And then turn around and just go hardcore on people. And then also, hey, my uncle will eliminate this from the Internet Archive. Because <laughs> he owns it. Wow. Cool yeah, man, it's 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 so insane. Again, the 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 web is small, you know. Like they're they're all connected to one another. We're right yeah, on, I man. Go so up. It, it's it, and it's 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 actually a, a fairly small clique, you know, that call a lot of the shots. I mean, I'm, I don't know. That, I'm not saying they run the whole world, but um, yeah, this is basically the you know Kissinger group, the Rothkop uh, managerial class, and then there's like the inner, you know super super rich families so pretty transparent it's not it's not that hard to figure that out but yeah i mean it's it's weird that so much information can kind of be in everybody's face hidden in plain sight but you still have so many normies and people that can't they just can't come to grips with it and i think deep down it's like they they can't go there because they know that it would collapse their whole made-up paradigm and, and that, that fear, I think, is why many people, you know, won't go in these directions. Well, yeah, it hurts mm -hmm. the ego to face that reality like you've talked about yeah. before. I mean, you just It's hard to do. And that's that's also, I think, one of the strengths of orthodoxy. Again, you know, not to I don't, I'm not trying to be a, an orthodox Bible beater here, but I mean, it's the truth. You know, that's part of why I, I found my way to where I am. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, is there any more? I'm, I'm not trying to change subject. I'm just trying to think of uh, occult um, overlaps with 
you could probably go back to even like the Templars. I mean, I, I, it's hard to know exactly what the Templars. I'm not trying to change subject, but no, 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 it's good. No, yeah, thank you. Like overlaps of, uh, I mean, something happened with the Templars. I don't really know what it was, but you know, they definitely had some kind of alteration or change, which led to them getting, you know, excommunicated and attacked by, uh, you know, the the Roman Catholic Council at that time. Oh, it's the Council of Bien, I think. And the uh, King of France and the papacy, right? Obviously, they flipped and turned on the Templars. And then you you do have this tradition of some kind of Gnostic philosophy amongst the Templars and the idea of these... Um, I don't know what to call it, but I've always thought that there's something going on with that in regard to... Uh, remember Bravik? Yep. And remember, uh... remember Bravik wearing all his Templar garb and... Mm -hmm. and Manifesto. Hey, he he holds like the second highest record right now, right? Probably. Yeah. But but he made a big deal out of like, oh, I'm a Templar. And you know, my Masonic degrees of being a Templar has <laughs> equipped me to save Western civilization. And you remember all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That that was in uh where was it? It wasn't in Sweden, but it was somewhere up in yeah. that, yeah, that region. Yep. But I mean, I think there's something going on with that. I mean, I mean, a high level Masonic dude saying that he's commissioned to save Western civilization as a Templar. I mean, come mm. on. And nobody made a big deal about that. I mean, you know, people like Alex were talking about it, but like the rest of, you know, nobody even thought to inquire into you know, these the Templar claims and all that. Um, was it? Colby, one of the uh, Roman Catholic uh, CIA directors, it might have been Casey, maybe William Casey, right? Like they they were talking about some of their elite guys as Templars. You know what I'm talking about? I've heard no, it, but it's you been a minute that. since I've gone down that route because that I connected the same thing with within some certain like the the crossover between masons and templars which was uh so uh the thing was in norway actually with brevik yeah yeah and uh, the other thing that oddly kept coming up too was that every time like some big events like that were happening there was always a lodge like fairly oddly close to a lot of yeah. these places which was like another thing too is like uh, they're probably operating bases like you know allegedly right and just but it always seemed just kind of coincidentally that it's always around a lodge yeah, well, and, and the reason that's relevant is that when you go into the history of, uh, you know, Gladio and all that kind of stuff. And by the way, when I critique Gladio, it doesn't mean I'm a communist. Every time I say that, people, oh, he's a communist. He's a <laughs> so like, so I can't talk about the alliance of, you know, papacy and organized crime and the CIA uh, without being a Soviet. I mean, it's just crazy. But I mean, it shows the, you know, the that level of corruption because uh casey was involved in this too because he was he was like a hardcore trad cat um and he was at fordham right and this is why fordham is he one was of at these fordham? yeah this is why fordham is oh, one of these yeah. pushing all this like you know crazy ecumenist uh you know ukraine schism stuff is that that's a long time jesuit cia thing well but that's what's interesting though too because Going back to John D, that's what he said that the angels that he was talking to, the demons, were saying that they were going to create an Abrahamic 
a, a single Abrahamic religion, which we're starting to see. Was it in, uh, UAE starting to come to fruition? Yeah, ecumenists. Yeah, it's like an yeah. ecumenist. Exactly. Yeah, ecumenism. Actually, people don't know this. It actually comes out of um, Renaissance Neoplatonism. Yeah. Uh, people think that oh, it's like a you know twentieth nineteen hundreds liberal movement. I mean, you can trace the modern ecumenist movement to the money the Rockefeller family one hundred percent. But actually, you go back further um, to the ideological predecessors to ecumenism, and it goes back to Renaissance magic renaissance occultism because in the renaissance you had a lot of these figures like the medici's pico della mirandola and these characters they're actually pushing for there's a bunch of them actually lorenzo i don't think no i don't think Valo was doing that that if you read hoffman's book occult occult renaissance church of rome he actually traces all of those renaissance guys that were pushing uh, proto-ecumenism and and you're absolutely right that's why john d because he's john d's into renaissance magic stuff right mm -hmm. that's why john d is saying that yeah through neoplatonism and all these kinds of things we can create a new monotheistic supra religion <laughs> more oh, ways to man. control people and just kind of you have them under that same umbrella that just yeah <laughs> man like i don't know how like just it's you said it best, you know what I mean? Out of all people, it's just like you, you kind of start from one place and you start understanding where how these people get into control, how they get into positions, what groups are they in, and you follow and trace the money. And it's just like it, it you keep following and then it, it all kind of adds up. But yeah, it, it once you see the big picture and you peek behind that curtain, it's just like you have to understand that all these things are in place for that reason. So they this is how we've gotten this far through all these like this society the secret societies skull and bones but it's all linked back to that other metaphysical thing that people don't understand the good versus yeah. evil yeah yeah i think uh following the money is is always good for kind of the geopolitical level of stuff but you can yeah. also follow the ideology right following the mm -hmm. ideology will take you to what you're talking about like the how do we get to where we are in terms of the thinking i mean it's not all yeah. uh it's not merely money i'm not saying you're saying that but a lot of people yeah, just yeah. They restrict themselves to thinking that oh it's all just money and power and they just want oil and i mean that is part of it yeah. but you know it goes beyond that because it's not just a matter of controlling resources it's also a a, a notion of pushing ideology you know i mean when the when the u.s pushes ideology through soft power right it's doing that to um to prime the pump and warm people up to the energy control that's true like the, you know but it's not just that it's also culture war too right like the u.s has to the u.s has to push americanism so that people are willing to have so they, they want uh subway and abortion and pepsi right yeah and even like going back to michael Aquino, he says that openly too like uh full military tactics knowing your enemy policies their structure their politics religion and devising a plan to infiltrate like and subvert and completely destroy that and use to appease U.S. interests. And it's like, they say it. It's like, yeah, we're going to take over everything. We're going to make it seem like it's your idea that you want it by continuously blasting it on TV, commercials, movies. And it's just a slow destruction of like what you think is normal by constantly putting in your face. And it's like, I know people say like the slippery slope doesn't exist, but it's like you add a little bit of elements and you normalize it little by little to eventually like now it's gotten to a point that it's like, to where we are now but yeah they've 
openly admitted they're going to do all these things and then even just the what was it they they send money we go overseas to the women's liberation movement in afghanistan or iran and like transgender studies for lebanese women and stuff and you're like <laughs> like what is it even what doing? was it five hundred thousand dollars for yeah. somebody in pakistan if they speak english and they're transgender in like the yeah. latest project that biden proposed <laughs> well and it's like back in the day you would hear it and someone made a meme of it where it's like some muslim dudes like america's the the great satan and you're like nah and then now it's like actually you might have a point like actually, you know? <laughs> yeah not that they're still right in their ideology but when it comes to at least that aspect is just like and even for me being overseas there's a lot of stuff that like i struggled with for a long time because it's like there's a, a huge like pedophilia issue going on in afghanistan especially when it comes to like they have things called chai boys where they come bring you tea but they're yeah. also for entertainment and it's like we knew it was happening but our superiors would tell us hey yeah uh, you you can't do anything about it i'm There's like what like what do you mean bro i thought we we're the good guys here what are we doing and yeah it, it you become disillusioned and like that for me was already kind of like, I'm like, man, what are we really doing here? But well, mm -hmm. then it got to a point where we were giving the CIA was giving Viagra to warlords so that they could continue to rape more little boys. Like that's yeah. the point we reached in Afghanistan. Are you serious? I've never heard. Yeah. Of this. Yeah. 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 Like I think starting around like 2011, 2012, they were giving the little blue pill, to the warlords over there just so they could rape more boys i mean i honestly wouldn't be surprised because it's like they would try to offer them up to us or they would try to buy like uh like like military members like and we used to make a joke like sadly like because we had this dude he was like 18 19 like real young kid he looked like a porcelain don and then like the afghan dudes were like eyeballing him and we're like yo we'll trade you him for a goat and they're like okay <laughs> whoa like, I felt bad because we were joking, but then they took it, like, real serious. Like, okay, we'll go get it. And we're like, no, 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 no. Nista, bro, it's a joke. And Have you like, seen those old Have you seen those old clips? Alex used to play them all the time of the gay bomb. I think so. It's been a minute. So this is some kind of bio. I, I mean, I don't know if it's completely made up or if they really did develop some kind of bio-warfare component, but they were talking about dropping the gay bomb on Saddam and his troops. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious no i believe and, uh, i remember, I remember I they, that i think they yeah. missed they missed iraq and they hit us or like they actually meant to hit us right <laughs> well, but no then, look it up there, yeah. there's, there's actually mainstream news reports about the pentagon developing um some kind of bio warfare agent that they 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 thought or hoped would like turn all of saddam's soldiers gay that they yeah. they would all uh yeah, that's a it's a real report. But, I don't, really. Well, they even have like uh, an operation that they did in Georgia, and I posted it the other day where it's like they got a, a bunch of mosquitoes, like over like two hundred thousand female mosquitoes that were non infected with like yellow fever to see if like you could deploy them and if they would survive to infect the whole area. And this is like military. This is a military operation by the the CBRNE, the Chemical Warfare like portion of the House, and they dropped it in Georgia. And they they were trying to see if they would survive. And it's like, yeah, like somewhere around 200,000 uh, survived or something like that. But yeah, they were attacked. Yeah. Like it was like, a sh and then what in Florida, like two years ago, they released those mosquitoes as well. <laughs> like, yeah, the, the remember Bill, Bill Gates, Gates? Yeah. Bill Gates did that TED talk where he, where he let them <laughs> loose, right? By the yeah. way, if you type into if you type into YouTube the Pentagon gay bomb, it comes up in the AP archives. It's the first thing that pops <laughs> up. It's still there. I'm, yeah, yeah, you gotta look it up. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm convinced they dropped I it on our country. Man. 
Yeah, it's in the water. You know what I mean? Well, you know, (laughs) that's just that's just what we dropped it on America's water aquifers. Exactly. And this is why it's good. And that's and why you're eating the why bugs. <laughs> why aren't you eating the bugs yet? Are you still yeah, eating? Right. That's bad, bro. That Austin was so funny. So, like, I was up there. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, but I already uh, remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was funny just kind of seeing all that. The I will not eat the bugs. Bugs. <laughs> yeah, good time. Uh, they didn't use. Did you watch the Tucker documentary? The, no, the I, saw, I didn't see it come out. Uh, well, it's it's like it's behind a paywall, but I'll send it to you. Okay. Uh, I found a copy of it that I didn't do it. Somebody put it up on Rumble. I'll send it to you. But oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. They he scooter filmed so much, and it got scaled down to like. I mean, I'm not bitching. Like, I'm happy to be in it, but it it's <laughs> got scaled down a lot down to like nine or ten minutes. I mean, he had filmed like hours of stuff, but so basically nothing from the live event made it except for the chants, like the chanting <laughs> of the. <laughs> I will not eat the bugs. That that yeah. made it in there, but nothing else made it. Yeah. That's awesome. Did, did, you, did you see the clip of me as Klaus? That was the funnest yeah, part. Yeah, bro, I did that see was that. awesome. <laughs> and you know that. what's funny about that is that there was like, that was like a, at least two hours of content that we filmed that day at the park. There were so many funny reactions that didn't make it into the into the final cut. But I, Have I you wish asked that, them to maybe like send it to you so you can kind of do like your own release? Like, you know. He, uh, he can't. It's all owned by Fox. Uh, so. But. Same. Uh, so ba- yeah, only, I, I'm only able to get away with I think posting like the little clips from the promos. So gotcha. I don't think they care about the the promo stuff, but yeah, you got. To uh, but yeah, there were so many funny reactions that we didn't that that didn't make it in there. That Ava, what is her name? That hottie, that hottie smart Dutch woman, uh, Ava Vlark, Vanderbilt, something. Yeah, it's a. Yeah, and she's like a trad calf now too, right? Like she just joined yeah. up with that. We gotta get I tried to I tried to reach out to her to do a, an interview and uh she was like, Yeah, I'll do it. And then she goes to me. So I don't think she wants to sit. She heard that <laughs> she she probably saw the, the trad cat debates and decided no. <laughs> she saw you destroy uh Nick Fuentes and she's like, Oh no, I can't <laughs> she, do it. Yeah, <laughs> Every it's funny because I get every now and then I'll get uh, people that ghost me and I'm like like the Kitco News was like they they reached out and they're like let's do an interview and I'm like are you sure and they're like yeah and then uh, I I think they looked more into what I talk about and then I never heard back. <laughs> so. You shouldn't like tell them anything next time. I'm like oh yeah sure here let's give you a date and then by that time it'll be too late. Like <laughs> yeah, so I th- I think a lot of people yeah they reach out and then they, they don't really know what all else we talk about. It's weird too because you never know what they're seeing. Like they might see me, you know, acting completely retarded in a clip, and they're like, "I was this guy going to talk about economic stuff?" He's like, he's acting like a retard. He's asking for, but actually, I I don't understand. It's it's fun that way. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got to keep it balanced because it's not like it's just if it's yeah, if it's too much, then people are just well. Even like you said, it's like yeah, sometimes you get bored, and it's like sometimes you just got to go off on a tangent. Well, right on, yeah, man. Think, We've gone yeah, for but, hours. Do you want to start to wind it down here a bit? Do you mind? Sure. Yeah, it's good. Cool, man. No, I, I mean, I'd love to do another one of these in the future, man. This has been great, like, finally talking to you after a few years of uh, just sending messages back and forth and you sharing our memes. And, uh, you know, it's funny, too, because I no, can't much anymore because uh, 
I only log in through the browser. I don't even log in through the app anymore. After that last time I got zapped, I don't even do that. Mm. <laughs> I, I've, I'm limiting my exposure to apps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm actually thinking about uh, we were we were thinking about actually going back to flip phones because I'm thinking, you know, yeah. do I actually need this cell phone with me at all times? Not really. And yeah. most of what I do, I would prefer actually to like have a designated time to do it during the yes. day on the on the computer. Yes. And then get rid of this stupid ass, you know, flip phone. I mean, a smartphone. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. like, actually, there's a bunch of people at my church that have shifted over to the dumb phones, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Well, Jamie and I have been talking about doing that. I think we may do it. Because yeah. I, I was thinking of having that as my primary, the dumb phone. And like, again, like there may be a certain time of day because like for some of the work I do to log yeah. into things at times, I've got to have that authenticator. And so I have to have a phone. But yeah. You know, I can have it exclusively for that. Working hours, done. Yeah. Yeah, and even then just having the smartphone for, like, Wi-Fi, so then whenever, you know, if you're not really ever using – well, if you're at home or whatever. But, yeah, I've been – I have a dumb phone that I probably got to go dig out of my garage. But, yeah. So I agree on that. that's something I didn't think about. Like, so if I don't have a cell phone number attached to the authenticator, like, is that going to screw up everything? I don't know. I mean, if you've got two factor on, you've got to have some way to do the two factor. You might be able to do it like through email because, you know, it's like some of the two factor authentication. You could have an email address oh, so you could possibly do it that way. But if you've got it set up just to be like with the Google Authenticator, I don't know that you can do that online. I think you have to do that through the phone. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. They, they're, they're always going to find a way to yeah. kind of make you part of the system, aren't they? <laughs> Unless you can get like the authenticator through your computer, like I know, which still is kind of like trash, but it's not on your phone. You know what I mean? Like, I think they have an app like that as well, maybe for hmm. Mac. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. It's been a minute since I've revisited that because it's on my phone as well. That's what I use for like social media. Yeah. I'm sure there's some way to figure out how to get around that and stop doing it, but... I mean, you could turn you could turn the two factor stuff off, or you could switch it, like you said, to to email or something like that. But yeah, so it's always a giant hassle. All this stuff, for sure, man. All well, right, well, thank you, guys. Yeah, it's a pleasure for taking the time today, man. I mean, really, I mean, definitely appreciate it, man. And you know, sometime down the road, I'd love to do another one. Yeah, we should. I mean, I knew we would have a good conversation. You guys are sharp, and uh, you know, you know the the lay of the land when it comes to geopolitics and what's going on in there. So thank you guys for having me. Oh no, man. Glory to God. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank uh, you, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Yeah. Send, send me this when it's up and uh, I'll reshare it if you don't mind. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely, bro. And cool. uh, if it, yeah, can I plug my stuff? Yeah, please oh, go good, ahead, yeah, man. Please, please plug, plug everything. Yeah. So uh, I'll try not to do this. It's too long. I know it's annoying when people ramble by the plugs. So basically <laughs> uh, you can follow me at jasonalsis.com. My website the shop is there. The membership uh, section is there. You can subscribe for pennies on the dollar. Uh, we have a big live event coming up June 3rd or 4th in uh, Nashville. You can get tickets to the website under every post is the list of live events. We got July 6th with Jamie Kennedy, uh, five hours of shenanigans in um, Van Nuys Airport, LA. Uh, we've got a Comic-Con where I'll be doing a panel speaking in Kentucky. We got an Orthodox pilgrimage. So if people are interested in going to Italy on an Orthodox Italy pilgrimage with uh, me and my priest, Father Vladimir. You can get uh, information on that at the website or um, 
uh, at his uh, website, which is linked on all my social media. Hopefully, if you guys want to, you guys can come to that. I'll give you the link and you can share that too if anybody's interested in. I think it's uh, 10, 14 days in Italy going to like 10 different uh, Orthodox. So basically, it's Orthodox Christianity before papism in Italy. Mm -hmm. So we're, we'll be going to all the sites that would be relevant to that. We'll also do some, you know, like the Vatican, that kind of stuff. But um, it's going to be a really cool pilgrimage. He's trying to keep the cost down and, and keep it nice. So if you guys are interested in that, it's November 5th to 18th. If anybody wants to come to that information is at my website. Um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Great, man. All right. Ed, thanks again. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Also, my sponsor is shock.com. Use the promo code. No. <laughs> you know what? You know what? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. I, I gotta, I gotta ask you, man. Like I've seen that chalk stuff. Does it work? I have some. Yeah, yeah, he gave me some at the show, so yeah, it's good. Like, right, I, I take right. a, a Tom Catalee. It, 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 it does. It, it'll it'll uh, it'll increase your toxic masculinity. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need some toxicity in my life, so I have to check exactly. it out. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, promo code J fifty at chalk.com if you want to get that. All right. All right. Thanks, All right. guys. Get it. Yeah. Thanks. All right. This is PBF, and we are out. <laughs>